Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 51 of the Friday Nightmares podcast. I am one half of your hosting team this evening, Mr. Smoke Show Crawford, coming to you from the town of Swartz Creek in the county of Genesee, in the state of Michigan, in the United States of America, in the North American continent, in the Western Hemisphere, on the planet Earth, in the Milky Way galaxy, on the uh, fully vaxxed. God damn it. You're fully vaxxed, waxed, boosted. And ready to climax. <laughs> and if you can, please get me wet and feed me after midnight. And let's continue our part two of counting down our top 50 horror movies. And with me, as always, is Heather Powell coming to you today from Waterdown, Ontario, Canada. And I am so excited for this remaining list. Um, I'm so excited that it's the end of January. So this, we recorded this literally a, a week later. Our, our bottom 25 is dropping tonight because of Scotty's mad editing skills like a fucking boss. Just, just like my bottom, my bottom clothing's dropping tonight too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so this will be, hopefully Scotty can put this out next week. It, it's very close episodes, but it is, um, you know, our top 25, hopefully he doesn't have to edit as much because it's just us talking about movies. Uh, we're not doing our sections, but we will be back to our regular scheduled programming starting in February. So you will start to hear um, our regular episodes then. Uh, where we'll go back to our topics and our themes as we move forward. So again, if you're listening, thank you again. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support yes, over the past thanks, years. Yes, very much. Um, never in a million years did I ever think I'd be a podcaster. I, I talked a little bit on the last show how much Scott means to me. It was a really like emotional episode. I was really tired and really feeling because uh, both Scott and I have gone through some stuff this January and we've been supporting each other because we're very good friends off air as uh, we are on air, well, we're probably better friends off air. Than we are <laughs> on air. True. Like, like I'm a lot nicer to you, not on Friday nightmares, than so I am <laughs> on Friday nightmares. But that's okay. I I still never in a million years when I used to listen to Kill the Cat back in the fucking day did I ever think I'd be doing this. I remember I used to listen to Jerry, Jane, Kenneth, and think, Wow, I could never do that. Wow. And here you are. <laughs> You know, and like the, the positive feedback I've got, I've had people tell me that I'm one of their favorite female podcasters, which I, I'm humbled. I've actually been told that I'm someone's favorite podcaster, which blows my fucking mind because I don't think I'm that great. And Brandon Orlick would agree. So, you know, that someone <laughs> actually does think that I am anywhere close to being very good is flattering beyond belief. Um, I always considered myself learning from Scotty because Scotty was a, was a, the veteran when we started out. Oh, well, you were. You had two podcasts beforehand. <laughs> it's true, but I'll say I've never heard anybody say I'm their favorite. Well, that's because you're not a chick. 
like, be real. I just get the slide in the DMs. You get the memes. Let's be. I, mean, I can be that. <laughs> He's rubbing his nipples right now. Um, he is the meme king. So I don't know what he's fucking upset about. Everyone fucking <laughs> loves smoke show. Cause I get a couple of people messaging me in my DMs. He's like, why didn't I get that? <laughs> you get everything else. Okay. You get the fame. I want it all, Heather. You get the memes. You get the people wanting your opinions. No one wants my fucking opinions. They're like, all oh, Heather likes is social, political, angry movies or dumb <laughs> fucking movies that Kevin Smith makes about walrus people in walrus suits. No one cares what I have to say. Um, but yes, thank you again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And what Scott's arguing with one of his cats, which has also been something that have gone on with us for years now. Oh, seriously, one of my cats is tangled in my head, headset wires. Uh, <laughs> oh, Scott's it's- head. I want. I hope he leaves his in. He's stuck, bent over his desk, trying to untangle his cat. Oh my gosh! You like you know, pulled my head down. I'm like ah. <laughs> episode fifty-one, and we're just as professional and polished as ever. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Remember when we were that one episode of the very first episode <laughs> and our, our sexual horror sexuality episode was a heavy fucking episode. Yeah. Um, and surprisingly enough, our lowest downloads, gee, I don't know why. Um, but our downloads have increased over the years and literally we can say over the years, isn't that nuts? Uh, that, that is weird. I've never thought I'd ever say that. Well, we surpassed both house by a cemetery, house by the cemetery and horror drunks, right? Yes. Uh, podcast by the cemetery. Oh yeah. Your podcast by the cemetery. <laughs> like but, what the fuck was it by the cemetery? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Horror drunks. I think we, well, I think we made it to episode 25. So yeah, we've doubled the amount of episodes already. Um, may have, it may have been two years years with them but it's you know we were so sporadic with releasing we never released on a schedule so not us yeah nah. fucking military schedule here <laughs> well that's because you're you, you cracked the whip for me <laughs> make sure i do I'm... <laughs> and for everyone who's asking me about controllers up and cards down you need to ask smoke show crawford about controllers up cards down well We'll say, unless you want to keep hearing me talk about playing Magic the Gathering, like the same conversation over and over again and what we played, that's all I've been playing. I have not had a video. I have fallen into a video game slash gaming slump. Is that really what's happened, Scott? I feel like that's not what's actually accurate. That was part of it. That's what started the call. That's what started me not like having the motivation. Then, you know. Life got a little busier for me. I outed you to some of our close podcast I know you did. friends, um, Lance from the Horror Returns and Darren too. When Lance asked me, shouts out to Lance Lansford from the Horror Returns. Please check out their podcast. One of the best podcasts out there that does horror. Um, and he said, when's this coming back? I said, well, Scott's been really busy with one person specifically. Um, and that person's not me, just so <laughs> I know, I know people have fantasized that Scott and I are a couple. Um, I know that we, people would really like to see that, but here's the thing about Scotty and I, we're actually really similar and we're both feelers. A little too similar. (laughs) A little, a little too similar, but we also, well, him, I probably annoy him more now than I did back in the day, but he can annoy the living fuck out of me. Um, more than any human being can, but I just love his swooshy face so much. Um, <laughs> I don't know, Scott, do I, I probably annoy you sometimes. I must. I think we have a, our own level of annoyance to each other, though. I think I drive you crazier. Yeah, Scott, 
Scott's very patient. Yeah, I was going to say, because I, I have a lot of patience. Very much so. Um, but Scott is currently spending some time with a good friend who has a lot of stuff in common with Scott as well. And this good friend and him do a lot of fun things together. And they are going to do some fun things this weekend and moving forward. So, you know, we all need good friends. Right, Scott? We do. <laughs> right? And so that's why we don't have controllers up, cards down. <laughs> Which is our video gaming and gaming podcast. Which I don't know. Tim's gone, who was our co-host. He's definitely no longer coming back on. Um, yeah, but I he, think, he definitely has a life now. Yes, he definitely. Well, he is in a very committed relationship um, yep. with a lovely young woman. So he is he is living his hashtag best life. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe we could bring it back for February, Scotty. What do you say? It's only an hour long show. I could learn I mean, how to edit. That's what really comes down to is the time to edit. Yeah. Cause like, well, editing that show was never really that hard, especially cause it was a short episode. Yeah. Uh, though it, like, as long as it didn't land on the same week I had to edit for this show or our Patreon yeah. episodes. Yeah. Cause then it just kind of feels like I'm doing a lot, but, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we could probably do, we may just have to change the format a bit. Cause yeah, like I said, like the whole, what we've been playing section, I, I would have nothing to, to talk about. I've been doing, I would, I've been playing tons of fucking video games. Yeah, and I have, I haven't touched a video game in going on two months now. Yeah. He's been busy having someone else play with his well, stick. Just kidding. <laughs> good Lord. Just kidding. just kidding. And, uh, but no, uh, no, I just, I've, <laughs> I get in these modes. Sorry. I, I get in these modes where I just uh, lose interest in gaming and it'll go for quite a few months and then I'll come back to it. Well, and I know we're talking about controllers up cards down on Friday Nightmares, but fuck sakes, it's the same as both of us on both podcasts. Right. So if we do bring that back, um, which we may do for February, it will be an hour long show is what we always like to stick to. Um, we may, you know, what we've been playing, Scott may just not share and we may just have a guest. Um, and when we always preferred to have guests on that episode anyway, on that show anyway, it was a rotating guest. So if we do go back to it, which hopefully we will, um, maybe I'll learn how to edit it. So Scott doesn't feel like he's editing all the time. Um, and yeah, we could, we can maybe bring it back because it isn't the first time I've been asked about bringing that show back. I know it. Well, I know also Luffy has been chomping at the bit for us to well he's gonna be on let's be clear oh yeah um he is gonna be on that show so i think we need to really commit to february scotty if you can find time in your busy life i mean you know that is only in three days i know but we have the whole entire month scott (laughs) (laughs) i um we'll see if so you heard it here first on friday nightmares we are going to attempt to bring back contra- uh, controllers up cards down which i named by the way just so we're clear that name came from me and so did friday nightmares well friday nightmares came from both of us friday nightmares came from me um no. that's <laughs> quit stealing credit i know what am i i'm like i'm doing plagiarism or who's that person that steals credit for everyone else's work isn't there a famous person that does that oh puff daddy that's right. oh yeah <laughs> fucked over mace real bad right all my 90s friends are like yeah anyway back to horror movies so we're going to be going through our top our bottom 25 well i guess our top 25 i don't know why i'm saying bottom top 25 and i had to change some out because scotty and i had similar tastes because we're just we're just kind of like twinsies you know like (laughs) the battery i think scott was shocked that i liked that as much as i did but it was a fucking awesome movie scott really is it really is right so 
Well, let's see. We're on 25 now. So we started off uh, where we left off is we did our 26. So my 26, just in case you're you're bridging and you're not sure what left off at, um, I'll do 30 down. My So my 30 to 26 were Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark 2019, Maniac 1980, Eden Lake 2008, Come Play 2020, and Friday the 13th Part 4 1984. All right. And my 30 to 26 was Let the Right One In 2008, The Mist 2007, the Battery, 2012, Christine, 1983, and House on Haunted Hill, 1959. All right there, my friend. Bring us in with your 25. All right. Number 25 is my second favorite uh, anthology of all time, and that is 1982's Creep Show. Fuck yeah. Man, this movie, obviously, it's a classic. It uh, The way it is filmed is like that whole comic book feel to it. Um, some, every story is extremely just entertaining and solid. And like, you could, if people, like we talked about on our top five anthology stories episode, Mm -hmm. you could literally fill that top five with these stories because all five stories are just really good, really fun. Absolutely. So many freaking, uh, like it's a stacked cast of who's who Mm -hmm. and like the horror genre and an outside of the horror genre, like just so many and, you know, written by Stephen King, directed by uh, George Romero. Like this is just a, this was a project that just worked so fucking well. And yeah, I love this movie to death. Everyone that is a horror fan has seen this film by this point. So like, I don't need to get into details, but yeah, wonderful, wonderful horror anthology. You know, and I think what horror anthologies do is they show that what you can do when you can, you only want stars for a short period of time. So a star needs to be on the set for a day to shoot a film, a short film. And it shows you how many people you can get because the commitment isn't that long, right? It's a quick payday. You're coming in, you're doing whatever it is you need to do, and then you leave. And I think that anthologies really represent that. And speaking of anthologies, my number 25 is also an anthology. And it was an anthology that was recommended to me by both you and Brendan Arlick, and that is Southbound 2015. Nice. Um, one of the best fucking blended together anthologies with the exception of Trick or Treat uh, that I've ever seen. Um, I love Southbound. It's dark, real dark. Um, all the stories, how they interline together. I love them. It's a real heavy watch. Um, and some anthologies you watch like Tales um, Creep Show is kind of fluffy and Tales from the Crypt, there's these like split up um, segments in them. And Southbound just feels like it's all put together. And it's like a puzzle you're trying to figure out. Like, how do all these things come together? How is everything? And even like the cover of it with that star in the circle, you know, it really represents the connectivity of this film. So if for right. some reason you haven't had a chance, Southbound. I know you're a fan, Scotty. Oh yeah, this movie was really good and just uh, pretty twisted. Like the stories in it were pretty mean-spirited. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, fucking great, great anthology. Like I... Uh, I think this would be in my top 100 and you mentioned trick or treat and I'm kicking myself because I had a brain fart and did not add trick or treat or Krampus to my list. And probably those two could have been in my top 50. You love, isn't that was done by Michael Doherty? Yep. Yeah. You like fucking suck his dick a lot. Yeah. <laughs> And so we will say they are number 51 and number 52. And those are the honorable mentions that Scott forgot about last time. <laughs> yeah. Like I, like we, we crammed for this. Like, well, I, I won't say we've, we've prepared for, we've known about making this top 50 for quite some time, but we're both uh, kind of like procrastinators and wait till the last minute. 
and yet my dumbass just did not think of these movies when like i said like i even said last episode like my top 50 would change like probably my top 35 of this list would change constantly on a rotation because there's just so many to choose from you know it's funny i really thought trick or treat was gonna be in your top 10 i really nope. did i know how much you love that anthology you know who's really mad at us right now tim davis oh i guarantee he is he's gonna Especially, get even madder oh <laughs> Well, I know he's going to get even more mad when he hears another movie that's not on my list. I know, right? It's going <laughs> to be bad. Tim Davis, um, we love you. Tim, please please still listen to our show. Please. Please, please continue to have a Scott Crawford, a raging Scott please Crawford. Continue. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, what's your 2024, 20, Scotty? My number 24 is uh, what used to be one of my all-time favorite horror comedies, but it's kind, kind of pushed down the list a little bit as, you know, I've found some that are a little better but i still love this movie to death good old british comedy uh at its finest and directed by edgar wright that is 2004's Shaun of the dead just go to the pub and wait for it to all blow over i just love especially that scene okay so we're gonna kill phil sorry and <laughs> just go to the pub and wait for this <laughs> sorry, to all mom. blow over <laughs> i um, I love, you know what scene I love in that where he's fighting with his girlfriend and she's like, we've never gone anywhere. He's like, we went to Greece. She's like, we met in Greece. <laughs> I yeah. find that so fucking funny. I don't know why. Oh, I just find it hilarious. It's quick witted humor throughout it. And it I is. Got, there is a line um, when his roommate comes in and they're like, or his roommate wakes up at like four in the morning because they're drunk jamming to a record. And he comes out and he's like, and they see the bite on his hand and they're going, what the hell happened to you? He's like, I got bit by some bum. Like, and he's like, now can you see why I'm so pissed off? And then, then Nick Frost just goes, fuck yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why every time that line that I just burst into tears laughing. Fuck it's yeah. It's really funny. It is so, the movie's great. It's it's a classic. Like right, it's an it's, absolute classic. And it's a wonderful homage to like Romero's dead trilogy. And agreed. Like, it's gory. It's got heart. It's funny as hell. And once again, uh, Edgar Wright, like I've talked about in our uh, 2021's award show, he is a master when it comes to like editing skills. And like, so much so that Scott made up an award just for Edgar Wright. <laughs> he's fucking, he's got style. He really does. <laughs> That's like, and I love him. <laughs> I do. Like, I would, I would love to meet him, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost one day. That would just a dream trio of people right oh, there. Man. And but yeah, like his editing skills, like with the constantly like cutting between the coffee and the quick cuts and stuff like that. Or when, uh, they're beating the zombie to death with the pool sticks to oh uh, Don't God. Stop Me Now by Oh Queen. my God, it's so funny. I may watch that movie tonight because oh, it's I, just so fucking funny. I love that movie so much. Oh man, <laughs> such a good film. I'm so glad you brought it to the table. I don't have it on my list. It would be in my top 100, but it's rewatchable. Like it's fucking amazing, right. you know? Yeah. Um, so yes, awesome. I'm going to make some slasher fans very happy. Ooh. I may have just saved our podcast. <laughs> oh, Number 24 for me is Halloween 1978. Mm. <laughs> Scott's like, bitch, please. <laughs> that is on my list. <laughs> That's a, well, I mean, it's a great, great, great fucking movie. You know, I, I have even more appreciation after watching the Netflix um, documentary series, The Films That Made Us. Oh, yeah. And how they made that ending scene, like that opening scene was the last thing they filmed. Mm -hmm. and how much work that was in the camera work at the time and the crew and that documentary is from the crew perspective and let me tell you that was a hell of a lot more fucking interesting than listening to like no offense to jamie lee curtis but jamie lee curtis talk about it for the 18th million time like right. it was really cool hearing about how the crew did it and 
man, talk about doing something so amazing with something so simple. Now, some people find this movie boring. I know there are fans in the community that are not a huge fan of Halloween 1978, and that's absolutely fine. But I think you have to respect, even if you're not a big fan of the film, what the film did. Yeah, um, this this film ushered in the slasher genre to what it pretty much became, it in the, especially you, in the you, 80s. Absolutely. You had Black Christmas before that, and you had you know, some other giallo slasher type films. So it's not to take away from what else was there previously. But when you're looking at something like Halloween with a simple mask, a simple concept, and I and I love the documentary because it talks about, like, I think sometimes we get caught up in the franchise of Halloween and what it is today. Yeah. Not what it was in 1978. It was just about some dude who fucking watched his sister bang, was pissed about not going out trick-or-treating and sliced and diced her, and then came back for fucking seconds. Like, that's... Yep. That was the simplicity of it. And, you know, people will argue about like, well, how did you learn to drive? Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck how we learned to drive? You know, you got the throwaway line of, well, someone must have taught him. He was taught him. He was doing very well last night. Like it's a throwaway line. Who cares? Like it's a fucking slasher film from 1978. And it's awesome. The scene where like he pretends to be Bob with the glasses on. I think it's Bob. Yep. Um, Coming up the stairs. Like this movie has its place in cinematic history and, you know, has a place on my list. It's probably not as high as other people would have it, but mad respect, nothing but mad respect for this film. Yep. Hence what, one of this is one of the reasons why I think John Carpenter is a master of his craft. Like the dude's done some amazing fucking films. Couldn't agree more. And amazing music too. I think he yes. also captured the value of music and atmosphere. And and Scott and I talk a lot about atmosphere in films. And, you know, I think sometimes people miss out on the atmosphere and that's okay. Maybe that's not your thing, but music and another film, as much as we joke about it, Suspiria, 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 Suspiria used music fucking incredibly. Like that is another example of a mm. film. Good old that, Oh man, like like the fucking editing of that too was was mint. Yeah, you know, there's certain films that come out that you just have to turn to and acknowledge and go, hey, even if that isn't my jam, they used music in a way that really kind of built emotion and pulled stuff from you during it. So um, that's why Halloween's here. Nice. Yep, love that movie. It's great. I know, shock faint. You love that movie, huh? <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, I guess I could jump over to number 23 and uh, I'm sticking in the 2000s and I'm going with Lucky McKee's 2002 May. Nice. So first uh, time watching me last year. Yeah, for Slumber, Slumber Party Massacre, right? That's right. Oh, man, do I love this movie. I I rented it back, you know, when, during when Blockbuster days were still around. Rented it, <laughs> rented it from there and just fell in love with it. Like you just... Angela, uh, Angela Bettis, like you just feel so, uh, mm-hmm. you feel so bad for her. Cause like, she's just this weird, like awkward nerd and she just doesn't know how to deal with things and cope with things and how mm-hmm. to socialize and just, and she obviously does not deal with rejection very well when she gets rejected for being kind of weird to a guy mm-hmm. she kind of instantly fell in love with. And you know, like just watching her go through what she does and then deciding, you know what, screw it. Uh, everyone's got a perfect piece of body. I'm going to take those pieces and make my own perfect boyfriend. And Patchwork should be sending a nice big thank you to yeah. May <laughs> for in, for the inspiration for that. Yes, oh, absolutely. Seventeen. Um, yeah. But yeah, you just, this is like a character study where you are like, you are kind of rooting for the antagonist to just do like, just mm-hmm. don't do what you're doing. Like, cause you just feel so bad for what she's going through. 
Right. And, and I think you're right. She's a pro, she's a, what is they, what do they call that? An anti-protagonist or what's it yeah, called? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, anti-hero. Anti-hero. Like you feel bad for her, right? Yeah. You know, you feel like it's pretty shitty what's happening. And let's shout out to Anna Ferris in this too. Like Anna Ferris yeah. does a fucking awesome job as well. Um, I feel like Anna Ferris sometimes doesn't get the, get the respect she deserves. She's, she's fun chick, man. She's fun oh, she in the role is. she's in, right? And she knows her roles and she plays them well. But I agree, May is a fucking phenomenal film. Um, I'm really glad I got to watch it last year. Now, I did switch out my number 23 because I knew it was high on Scott's list. So when we get to it, I will give my kudos to it. And as we were talking, I wanted to make sure Tim Davis continued to listen to our podcast. So Jawsit is my number 23. <laughs> nice. 1975 and it honestly is like jaws is a fucking awesome movie i i know tim has said that it's a perfect horror film and i can't disagree with him uh tim davis from horror for dummies please check them out you can find them on any podcasting network as well as uh like so podcasting like like spotify or podcast addict or whatever and also they have a patreon so please support them there because these aussie c words are worth it um (laughs) but it's so great like the opening scene where that chick dies and you need to see her body being like her body being like thrown around in the fucking water she's like ah! it's fucking awesome or like when the shark attacks the boat and attacks those guys like it's fucking sick and though it's not part of the movie one of my favorite things is when they put googly eyes on shark on jaws and they, they like make the memes of them <laughs> Or Bruce the Shark, it's the fucking best. But I thought Jaws was not only um, a great horror film, it really capitalized on something that was happening uh, back in history. Obviously, they really butchered the the real story of Jaws and the 12 days of terror and right. what happened in New England. That's fine, right? Like, it's, it's a story. It's, it's exaggerated in Jaws. It doesn't follow anything. But it's a really fucking fun film and the special effects still hold up today. It's still entertaining today. And I like all the Jaws movies. I even like Jaws of Revenge. I agree with Tim. I think that's a good film. Yep, I think same. it's entertaining as fuck. Yep, Jaws really, of Revenge really is a blast. And who cares if the shark roars? Who gives a fuck? Right. Uh, by the time you get to number four, who cares? Does it really matter? You're watching Jaws 4 for fuck's sakes. Who gives a shit? Um, but yeah, I think Jaws is just deserves this place in cinematic history. It is a fucking awesome movie. And Tim... I want you to remember who had it on their list. It wasn't your boyfriend, Scott. It was me. <laughs> yeah, now, where's would... my invite to wrestling for dummies? Ooh. Okay. But yeah, uh, once like you, you've said everything perfectly. This film is fantastic all around. Like it actually builds tension. So, like I feel it's a little slow, like for introducing it to somebody new to horror. Might just yeah. be kind of a little bit of a slow burn. It's very but, much like a 70s film. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, they were in the 70s. Oh, absolutely. But. Yeah, excellent horror film, though, yeah, I do not have it in my top 50. It is in my top 100, but uh, yeah, I couldn't put it in my top 50 because these are like the 50 most rewatchable style films for me. And yeah, I do love Jaws, but I don't go and rewatch it a lot. I will always watch Jaws if it's on TV. I'll say, always. If, it, if I had cable and it was on TV, yes, I would stop and watch it. But since I don't have cable, I, I have to be, I choose what I want to watch there. So yeah, and he's too busy with his other activities to... <laughs> Hey, I'm just jealous. I know you are. My DMs are like this. Cricket, cricket, <laughs> cricket. You hear this, guys? Start, you, start blowing up her DMs. Here's the funniest thing. Okay, side note. 
I watched the 2021 comedy special on Netflix. So they did one for 2020. They did one for 2021. And I was watching them with my friend. And uh, there's a scene where the chick, the British chick that stars in it, like the girl that puts on the British accent is pretending to be an average UK citizen. You know which one I'm talking about, Scott? She goes, (laughs) she's like, oh, hold on. I think I got a message. Oh, wait, no, it's just an update from my phone. Well, I guess that's something to look forward to. (laughs) I fucking (laughs) died. Like I was laughing so hard. Yeah. I'll take what I can get. I actually kind of like Scott's friend. Her and I seem to have a fucking lot of shit in common, to be honest. I, I, I'm um, scared. I'm very scared about this. Like she has a good job and shit. I like pets. You know, I feel like maybe you should be careful, Scott. <laughs> I am kind of cooler than you to start off with. <sighs> yeah. He knows it too. <laughs> like the, I, I, I don't have gift, what else she's looking for. I don't have a beard. Like the gift I sent, I'm in danger. I know. Right? <laughs> um but yeah i think we're on what 22 now yeah let's high check all right you go ahead all right so my number 22 uh sorry for any uh canadians that are listening but uh this is my one and only cronenberg film that is 1986 remake of the fly i mean we've talked about this on uh episode just fairly recently but you know a great relationship-based horror film amazing body horror amazing effects and amazing performances from gina davis and jeff goldblum like incredible incredible. yeah incredible i can't say much else because like i said we've talked about this movie just fairly recently on our body horror episode but yeah fucking love this movie loved this since i was old when i watched it when i was a kid and was terrified by the Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or like when i'm like just shoot him bitch what the fuck you waiting for (laughs) right and then the emotion that goes with it though oh man it is such a fucking good film that was actually on my list the only reason i took it off is because i knew it was going to be on yours and i did oh really (laughs) nice but that was also in my top 25 i did replace it with something else but i want to give a shout out to the fly 1986 canadian pride right fucking there man excellent excellent director excellent filmmaker um david cronenberg hope you stay with us for a long time um and his son is cup and coming and he's actually dropping a new movie this year He's got another one? Yeah, he's coming. A new one's coming out this year. No shit. Looks good. It's about a resort that people go to. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brandon Brandon Cronenberg, you have my interest. You have my attention. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Brandon Orlick. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, Brandon, I guess he has Brandon our Orlick are, too. He, he, he already knows he has my attention. That's Brandon Orlick boy. from the Exploding Heads movie podcast. Um... All right. I bet you're wondering what my 22nd is. I am I've, I am curious about everything that's on your list going like, Is anything this whole been time. a shock so far? Uh, I'd have to go back and think. I know there was a couple, but I can't think of them off the top of my head right now. Oh, that's okay. It's it's a lot of movies. This one, though, I think you won't be surprised about because of how much I loved it and how I went on and on and on about it. It was during my stage where I was watching only film festival movies and I was like, (laughs) 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 yes, yes, (laughs) I only watch film festival films. And that is The Shrew's Nest 2014. Oh, nice. And this movie, fucking Spanish films, man, they don't hold back ever. And no. they uh they go all out and for anyone who hasn't seen this movie yet it is a great examination of social isolation and abuse and what can happen over time and the the society that we build for ourselves and the world that we build for ourselves 
it is a very heavy film. It is extremely well acted. The main fucking lead in this film, like to whoever she is, like fucking incredible. It's a shame as English as English speaking people like Scott and I, generally speaking, we don't learn about other international stars, probably because their names are harder to pronounce. Like, let's be real, right? Like we're English speaking. We're not going to, there's people like Venom. And there's Derek and there's people that can go and list and Brandon Orlick as well. Um, Venom from Fresh Cuts, Derek from No More Room in Hell. And they can give names of other international stars. I, I can't. I can maybe right. do directors, but I can't do stars. And I think that's a real fault of, of us, but it is what it is. But for those of you who haven't seen The Strudes Deaths, if you enjoy Spanish horror films, and you enjoy very um, detailed stories. And I don't want to even say a slow burn. This is like a thriller slash horror, whatever you want to call it. It's a fucking phenomenal film. And I really recommend checking it out. Yeah, this is a very, very good movie. Like in you, the feels. Yeah, I'll say you recommended it to me and it, and it hooked me as soon as I started watching it. Right? And it's a, it's a gut punch. It's a gut punch. Um, I really wish I'd seen this in 2014. It probably would have been my number one of that year. Um, I could see If that. I had watched it then, but I wasn't watching the amount of movies I'm watching now. Right. Um, so, but yeah, fucking phenomenal film. But anyway, I'll pass it over to you for number 21, Drinking Age in the States. Yeah. All right. So number 21 for me is a 2020 horror film. My number two of that year. Ooh. And that is something very similar to a movie i just brought up may and that is rent a pal fuck yeah great film man this movie uh it stars will wheaton as uh oh, andy who is uh basically a video uh, a personality on a videotape because mm-hmm. this lonely guy back it's based in the 90s he's a caretaker for his mother who has dementia and he's you know doing what he has to do, being the older son, taking care of her, which means he has really no social life. So he does. And he's already socially awkward, right? Like, yeah. But he's a, like, you can tell he's a nice guy, but he just is having a hard time meeting people, but he's a nice person. Yeah. So yeah, he, he does what it would be considered the 90s version of online dating, which is renting VHSs at this dating site. And you watch these videos of these, uh, potential candidates for you and if you match up you call up the store and say hey i want to i want to meet with this person let me know if they match with me blah 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 then that's how you connect and like he ends up getting this one that's just called rent a pal and it was basically like a videotape of someone that's lonely needs a friend well here's andy andy will talk to you and keep you company and then this movie just goes on this ride of just like showing how lonely this dude really is and that how obsessed he becomes with this videotape and how much it gets into his head and how much this poor guy just starts deteriorating from Mm -hmm. like just just dealing with everything that he deals with and like bad luck after bad luck and just Mm -hmm. man such once again another uh anti-hero or you know protagonist that you just feel for because like what he ends up going through is just like so heartbreaking and you just and he's just, like you said, a wonderfully nice guy and just mm-hmm. socially awkward and weird and just not having a life. And man, like you just feel for him so bad. And the performances all around in this are absolutely incredible. And it's the reason there it was my number two. This movie is just so fucking well done. Absolutely. Like, I, I don't know what else to add to it. I didn't include it in my top 50. 
um, just because I don't know how much I would rewatch it because it's so sad for me. I would have a hard time rewatching it. Understandable. Um, I know somebody that's like this. I think you may know who I'm referring to. And I think mm-hmm. that's why it's too hard for me. It's a little too close to home. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't take away from anything of the film. The film is fucking amazing. So if people haven't had a chance to watch this film, uh, it was my number one, it was Scott's number two, and it was Brandon Orlick's number one from last year. So very, very high praise coming from the three of us. And we don't always see eye to eye on films. We all saw eye to eye right. on that one. And this is one I think I ended up recommending to you guys and it shot up to your number ones. And I'm going, it did. Holy shit. It did. <laughs> it, did. Um, it was it was a great fucking movie. So mine takes a different bit, bit of a turn. Um, so this one was a replacement because uh, Scott had already said mine in his top 50. So I didn't see the point of repeating it when we had a week apart. So I pulled another classic for me that uh, I I love. I love it. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And I will stand by there would be no scream if it wasn't for Student Bodies 1981. Ah, And, or sorry, no scary movie. My apologies. No scary movies if it wasn't for Student Bodies 1981. And if you haven't seen Student Bodies from 1981 and you are a fan of slashers, you need to fucking watch this movie because it is fucking jokes. Oh, it so is. Makes fun of everything from When a Stranger Calls to any like fatal exam any single fucking or final exam any any single fucking horror film that you have ever seen from the 80s that's a cheesy slasher student bodies makes fun of i've talked about it i praised it one of my favorite horror comedies of all time number 21 on my list check it out if you haven't had a chance to that's awesome i i was wondering because i was kind of surprised i didn't hear it last episode so i'm I was like, does she really have in her top 25? Uh, well, I yeah, didn't, I wasn't but surprised. then I had to be a little like creative. So I flipped <laughs> my hair, by the way, everybody. My hair is getting really long now. Remember when I used to have my hair really short, Scotty? You did. Yeah, look at it now. It's like Rapunzel yeah. level. For all, those, for all those DMs, I'm going to put it up my window so they can climb up my hair. <laughs> no, they're going to climb up your beard, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> like CC Top. Just hanging my head out the window. Grab on. <laughs> all right, get my head. All right. <laughs> um what's number 20 for you my friend all right we are into our top 20s my number 20 i think this may be the first uh oh no no maybe the second big franchise that i mentioned um and that is 1984 west craven directed a nightmare on elm street fuck yeah booyah fuck this movie is just incredible it is the creepiest and scariest that freddy krueger has ever been and we'll, mm-hmm. and the effects for the time, absolutely insane. And what a fucking great idea for a horror film. Like just coming about a killer that comes and kills you in your dreams. Mm-hmm. How do you, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you avoid him? You can only stay awake for so long before you end up having, end up being forced to fall asleep technically because mm-hmm. your body shuts down mm-hmm. and the damage it does to you when you don't fall asleep. And, but yeah, like, and how do you convince people that people are getting killed in their dreams by a killer because no one else sees it? They can't believe you. So they, that's, there's layers to this film. And then to create the icon that it, and it's what created the icon that is Freddy Krueger. And Robert England just does such a fucking fantastic job and is just so creepy and intimidating. Like this movie is just awesome all the way around. I'm so glad that you brought this to the table because we know I love Nightmare on Elm Street. Now it is not in my top 50. It would be in my top 100. And the reason why is because I think I've watched it so much. I'm tired of it. That's why. Fair. Um, And I think when you over binge on something, you kind of get a little like, 
And I kind of get tired of people fucking blowing the first movie. I, I think that the first movie is great. Awesome. But I enjoy part two. And now after watching that documentary from a couple of years ago, I have a fucking higher appreciation for part two. Yeah, so do I. Right? Like, and sorry. But I'll say, yeah, like part one and part two are like the only ones where Freddy Krueger is truly like scary and intimidating mm-hmm. and not being the jokester that he is. I love when he shows up at the pool party. I'll be honest. Yeah. I know we're talking about part two here, but I fucking love that. I think it's fucking creepy as shit and says you're all my children i know people criticize that scene i loved it i thought it was great um i like all the nightmare on elm streets even the sixth one um i am a sucker for freddy's dead yeah like i just think it's fucking funny like that's what i thought the point of it was supposed to be but i think nothing can take away from the originality of the first one and yet again when that first one was created Beth craven never envisioned sequels that wasn't the plan and i think we forget that and i think it's like halloween like friday the 13th nothing like even leprechaun child's play you name it none of this shit was meant to have sequels like leprechaun was never supposed to be a fucking space right good none of this shit was never supposed to happen but it did and here we are and i think that uh sometimes it's hard to go back in time and just appreciate it for the masterpiece that it is um my 20 my 20th movie is a little bit more recent it's also an anthology it is VHS 2 2013. Nice. Fucking love VHS 2 2013. Best VHS film out there. And I stand by that. Um, all the stories are good. Like all the stories are fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, my favorite is the uh, the GoPro with the zombies. I love that one. Oh, yep, yep. My favorite it. is uh, the cult. The cult one is awesome too. They're all awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. I think most people are familiar with the VHS 2. Uh, the concept of finding a videotape, um, All Hallows Eve did that well too. The mm-hmm. concept of following a video, following a videotape with stories on it, uh, a lot of respect for All Hallows Eve as well. And I think VHS two fucking nailed it. One of my favorite anthologies, hands down, awesome, amazing. Can't say enough good things. If you haven't seen it, please check it out. Yeah, amazing, amazing anthology. Definitely the best of the VHS movies. And like, yeah, like you said, every one of these are great stories in this. And and the wraparound's good. Yeah, the wraparound. Uh, yeah, the wraparound is really good. Like I get them mixed up bad. with the other ones, but yeah, like, it's not bad. Like it doesn't like it doesn't stand out. And you're like, oh my god, best wraparound ever. But it flows. You don't feel like right. it's fucking stupid. Like that's probably the biggest thing, right? Right. Exactly. All right. So jumping on to number nineteen for me, and this was my number one from 2020, and that is uh, from the director that did the battery, which I'm trying to blank on right now. But uh, it's after midnight. I fuck yeah, great film. This movie, like everyone knows my love for relationship-based horror films. And you know, I've talked about this movie a bunch during the year it came out because and we had it on a relationship horror episode that this helped me get through a hard time when I was still going processing everything that I was going through. And like the dialogue in this is just fucking brilliant. It's realistic story of like how a good relationship can go wrong. Cause it's not like you're just typical fighting and screaming and like, you know, yeah. like how they make it in the movies. No, this is just yeah. like it tackled like real issues that can happen in relationships where you just get too comfortable and like, you just don't want to go and do anything fun anymore. And you just kind of become a recluse at your house and just mm-hmm. want to stay there and don't want to do anything adventurous with your mm-hmm. wife or girlfriend. And mm-hmm. I love the idea of the beast that comes after midnight representing like depression and loneliness for this guy when his wife is away and how it just continuously attacks at the door. And mm-hmm. yeah, it is. And it, you know, and it actually does have kind of a happy ending. They, they defeat the beast and get back together. Like he defeats his and loneliness startling- and depression. 
ending. Yes. Like when that... he's singing the song, I only hear what I want to by Lisa Loeb. Yeah. And then the fucking thing happens. You're like, ah! <laughs> yeah, like that made me jump out of my fucking seat. <laughs> but yeah, like right? amazing movie, amazing dialogue. Once again, the director was also the actor. I'm sorry. I'm blanking on his name. I'm not looking it up right now. That's why. But, you know, he he acts. He's the main character in this movie again, like just like in the battery. And he mm-hmm. does a great job. And yeah, I, I love this film. It means a lot to me just because of what it helped me get through. Mm-hmm. It, and it's always going to be like one of my top movies to go to now. For sure, right? I, I agree. I think it was one of the best acted written low budget films um, and more movies like that. You know, there's some acting chops and there's some directing chops there. And I hope to see more. Yes. And uh, for me, number 19. So this is a little bit emotional for me. Mark Nato, if you're listening, you're not going to like this one. Um, I The very first podcast I ever did was with Kill the Cast. And that's how I got my first podcasting friend. Actually, the first person who friended me in the community was Venom. After hearing me on this episode, and he complimented me. And this episode covered the 2016 slasher, Terrifier. Nice. And uh, the first time I saw Terrifier, I did not know what I was getting into. I was like, oh, it's some stupid fucking clown movie. And what I love about this movie is the ability to create fear without saying a word. The bar scene or the scene where those chicks are at the pizza place, um, for all my individuals who listen to this podcast that identify as female, whether you're trans, straight, asexual, um, gay, you have been in a situation where someone has creeped you out, probably male, at a diner of some kind, maybe female, maybe, um, could happen, mm-hmm. but more likely a male staring at you, stare, making you feel uncomfortable. And how these young women react is very similar. I felt like I was watching a real situation play out. And I know people shit on it for that, but they've never been a young woman at a diner at fucking two o'clock in the morning and experienced shit like that. Right. So it happens. <laughs> And it's not okay. It doesn't matter what they're wearing or what time it is. That's not okay. Just so we're clear. Um, and I and I think the kills in this, like when I saw him slice the chicken half, <laughs> I was like, what? Or the chase scene and who you think is going to be the protagonist and it fucking switches up halfway through. Or the scene with the homeless lady where he steals her doll that she thinks is a real baby and the emotion behind that scene. It's fucking incredible for a low budget, yet again, a low budget made on a string, a a shoestring budget film. You have to appreciate, even if you don't love the film, you have to appreciate certain scenes like that that came together with the acting, with the money that they would have had for special effects and the ability for Art the Clown to invoke fear without saying a word. That mm-hmm. is inc- that is an impressive protagonist. Michael Myers did the exact same thing and be like, oh, they're not the same, not as good as Michael Myers. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm saying it's the same kind of concept. And I think Terrifier is one of the best slashers to come out. I consider it a slasher. I don't care that he uses a gun for one of the fucking kills. I'm so tired of that stupid argument. Um, yeah. It's a slasher film. But I'm glad you feel the same, Scott. I know you're a fan of Terrifier as well. Both of us are hoping to see Terrifier too. Oh, I can't dropped, wait. Right? Um, so yeah, not only do I have fond memories of this because it was my first time podcasting on my show. It was your first. It was you always first. remember your first. It's true. Um, and you know, I, I really appreciated the kind feedback that I got from that. Like I was such a newbie and I was so scared. 
and I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't, but now I'm funnier at it. So it makes it okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that movie is my number 19 for me. I, I love it. That is awesome. Cause yeah, that movie is just so creepy and like David Howard Thornton mwah, performance from him is, it is all body language and he yeah. is like, so incredibly intimidating and yeah, totally. like, and yeah, the whole thing with the gun, like, I hate that argument because yeah, I, the way I look at it was he is a slasher. He got fucking fed up because he uh, kept like doing everything to this person that he could and the person was still alive. So he got fed up, went and grabbed his, uh, his last resort, which was his gun mm-hmm. and just fucking mm-hmm. just, you could see the frustration in him because, you know, he even does the, the whole exasperated like sigh mm-hmm. and then goes, wanders off and grabs his bag and grabs the gun out of there. Like, it's no, fucking I fucking awesome. Yeah. Like it's, it's disturbing as fuck. It, it it does feel like it is uh the last third of a slasher film because you know it does feel like yeah. the whole like final girl chase scene but like done for a whole movie so i can see why some people may not like it for that reason because there isn't a lot of story to build up off of that but no there isn't but at the same time like this is low budget and it just pretty much goes yeah we're not gonna do a lot of character development we're just gonna throw you straight into but the good gory you, slasher you get character development i mean yes but i mean like compared to like some slashes where you know it's a slow burn till the third act this there is no slow burn. This just kind of goes. I hear exactly what you're saying, Scotty. And my my comeback to that is not everything needs to be Halloween 1978. Okay, exactly. the character development is these two chicks went out to the fucking club and they went to a pizza place and some dude creeped them. That sounds like men talking about not knowing what it's like to be in that situation. And exactly. Yeah, I said what I said. So... <laughs> And I think that, and that's like, but here's the thing. If you didn't like the movie because you didn't enjoy it, that's yeah. for sure. Like, absolutely. But what character development did you need? Do you need to know the backstory about why they went to the club and went to the pizza place? Like, it's a simple, basic plot here. Not everything needs to have an extended plot to it. I think if we look back at like fucking Final Exam, was that a super deep film? Or was the other one, the sports one, Fatal Games? Oh yeah, Fatal Games. <laughs> I can barely yeah. follow the plot of that. Like there's so many 80 slashers or Terror Train. I watched Terror Train recently. There's not much of a fucking plot of that either. Just so we're clear, it's like hanging out on a train for an hour and a half. <laughs> Right. That is. Listen to Slumber Party Massacre for a review of it. And it's not to say those aren't good movies. They're entertaining. You have a good time with them. And that's exactly what Terrifier was supposed to be. So I just, I don't know. I think when people criticize people for liking Terrifier and thinking that if they like Terrifier, they won't like other highbrow films. I just, I don't know. I went from having the shrewdness to the Terrifier within four movies. So obviously there's a variety here on the list. So thank you, Scott, for bringing up that argument and allowing me to state my frustration with it because I know that's not your argument. Exactly. Um, But it just irritates me when people use that because I just don't think it's valid. I was like, (laughs) because you know, we... Because you know, like, we know people like that that have brought up those points. Yeah, and I think it's fine not to like a film. Like, yet again, like, it's fine to say it didn't do anything for me. I miss the character development to be like, well, no character development, so that makes it bad. Well, what what the fuck more did you need? Like, right. (laughs) I don't get what else you were looking for here. Um, But yeah, anyway, we'll move on from Terrifier, which we've already talked a lot about. So what's your 18? My number 18 is... uh... Good old Stuart Gordon directed 1985 H.P. Lovecraft short story uh, adaptation, and that is Reanimator. Nice, awesome, fucking Jeffrey Combs as fucking Herbert West. Amazing. He's got that deadpan humor. This is like you know a black comedy. Like you know mm-hmm. there is humor sprinkled throughout, but it, it's a really good horror film. And like 
it is like you know just a messed up version of dr frankenstein is what herbert west is and just reanimating corpses and his obsession with trying to get it right so oh we need something that's a little more fresh let's reanimate this one. Oh, that one didn't work all right let's try this one let's try this one. Oh, oh then now we just got all these weird experiments that are just running wild and we can't stop them and then fucking he has the uh professor in the school that's creepily hitting on barbara crampton who like one of her I think this was one of her first horror films and obviously why she became the star that she is because obviously, like you said in our last episode she was eye candy for the movies beautiful like her, yeah beautiful. and her her acting wasn't the best like she came off of soap opera so she kind of had that soap opera style acting um, well and that's not what people were hiring her for no no you know she was using her tits and shit like let's be real and then when she came back because Hollywood does not treat women kind when they age, though she still right. is beautiful because beauty isn't defined to an age. She's been able to show her acting chops, which exactly. she has acting chops. Right? Yeah. So, but yeah, like I was just uh, like, this movie is just a lot of fun. It's demented. It's got some pretty shocking scenes. I mean, uh, severed head trying to give Barbara Crampton head. Oh man. It's such fucking a disturbing, fucking movie. Yeah. but, and just some great one-liners like, I love the note, cat dead, details later. <laughs> Such a good like, fucking film. Oh, it is. And yeah, obviously, Jeffrey Combs just steals the show. And I got to meet him a few, uh, few different times now. Nice. Such a one, like you were talking about how Felissa Rose was just like, a fan favorite and people love her that's how jeffrey combs is he is just such a lovely person so like appreciative of his fans and just so friendly and funny in person like uh he signed my reanimator box set and he just said scott crawford parts on capital letters <laughs> and, uh, like i like just started laughing about it and like he was yeah he was just a very friendly just super awesome guy to me and but yeah awesome. this movie loved this movie to death you know, and I'm really glad that you're sharing that experience with it. I watched it through an, a guy I dated back when I was, oh my gosh, 2023. 20, he oh, actually wow. showed me the thing too for the first time. And his Oh, nice. On the same night. Yes. Um, <laughs> my man. My man. Um, he was actually quite a bit older than me. That was like quite a bit older than me. He oh. was about 14 years older than me at the time. Wow. Look at you. I know. I don't think I've ever told Scott about him. You one have other not. Time, Scott. <laughs> one other times. He was a drummer in a band and I used to okay. go see his local shows and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a time. We'll put it at that. It was time. Oh, no, um, now I got lyrics to a song in my head. She was walking hand in hand with long haired drummer of the oh, band. He did have long hair. <laughs> he had long red hair. And he looked, and he had fucking tats all down his arms, and he looked like he belonged to the Hell's Angels. Like wow. <laughs> legit, he looked like he was like going to be part of a biker gang. Um, that is wow. Was, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> little story there for the side. But anyway, he showed me Reanimator, Reanimator, and it was amazing. I remember being like, "Holy fuck! How did I miss this movie?" And that's sometimes what you need people to come into your life for is to show you movies, <laughs> right? But yeah, no, awesome fucking movie. Um, this was another one I had to replace because Scotty mentioned, um, I can't remember which one it was. Probably it was We're Still Here. Uh, so I replaced it with The Grudge 2004. Nice. I loved this movie when it came out. Uh, now seeing the original Japanese film, I, I really enjoy that film as well. But I really thought the American retelling of it was really clever. I liked how they set up Sarah Michelle's character to be in Japan, um, the setup with going to the house. And I thought the grudge character was fucking scary. When it comes down, the fucking scares that fucking ghost. Terrifying. That, that, uh, 
Like, and you don't have to watch yeah. another fucking video game. You just need to go in this fucking house. Doesn't matter who you are. And it fucking comes for you. It doesn't matter. And I, I loved this movie so much that I remember. Remember, like, back when, like, you know, you were young and you posted stupid shit on your Facebook? Well, some people still post stupid shit on their Facebook. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I actually came home from seeing The Grudge, went onto my Facebook, because I was on the computer at the time. You didn't, like, you know, you could get it to you on your phone. And wrote, do you have a grudge? <laughs> because I love this movie so much. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I was 21. Hashtag with my best life. So love it, love it, love it. The ending always made me sad. The whole movie fucking made me sad. What happened to this family made me sad. I even like the grudge too. Um, not as not not enough to put on my top 100, but I do fucking enjoy it. And I can watch The Grudge with Sarah Michelle Geller over and over again. I think it's a fucking awesome movie. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's my number 18. That is a great choice. Uh, because yeah, like uh when we did our Japanese uh Japanese ghost stories episodes, I think this was the one I said was my favorite American remake too. Like it was just yeah, like just super creepy the way the ghosts were, and I and I dug the uh I dug Juan, and you know, I wasn't a big fan of a lot of the Japanese no. versions of these films. Just because they, you know, you're not really cultured, no. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're we at number seventeen. We sure are, sir. All right, let me check the date real quick to make sure I got the year right. Okay, I do. All right, so I got another 1985 film for my number seventeen. Another just uh kind of a black comedy in a way, and that is I will start off with, "Do you want a party?" <laughs> it's party time <laughs> that is return of the living dead oh you love this film so much oh this movie is just so much fun fucking uh it's just got great characters all around like it's like the 80s punk style characters fucking just partying in a cemetery then you know the uh got the mort the mortuary next door and the mm-hmm. freaking uh in like the medical supplies labs uh, next yep. to that and yep they have this just happened to come across this canister hold on uh containing trioxin uh god i'm gonna get so everybody's yelling at the screen right now but i think trioxin 242 or something like that but it's the gas that military used to awaken the dead to use as soldiers and well one of the canisters kind of cracks open and releases the gas which in turn awakens all the living or all the dead in the cemetery and cause havoc. And this is one of the first zombie films where the zombies are speaking. And I think is the, the uh, movie that created the trope that zombies crave brains. And yeah. I love that they actually interrogate that half corpse woman and are asking her like, why do you crave brains? And she's just like, for the pain. Mm-hmm. And just like, yeah, they crave it to kind of satiate the pain that they are feeling of being dead slash alive. And, but man, like, it's got such iconic scenes in it, uh, iconic characters. And of course, you know, a very young, uh, young Scotty appreciated Linnea Quigley's trash dancing on top of a uh, tomb completely naked to like some punk music. I mean, young teenage Scotty, come on now. I think that was a lot of, I think that was every boy's fantasy back then. And lady. And ladies. That's true. That is true. Yep. Yep. All inclusive podcast here, Scott. That is true. (laughs) But yeah, this is just a fun film. Lot just a yeah, this is something I throw on on July 3rd every year because that's when all the events of this movie happen. So, right before Independence Day for here in America, 
this is the movie that I tend to watch. Awesome choice. I remember watching this one. I remember being like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> and honestly, as time has gone on, I've enjoyed it more and more. Um, so I'm not surprised that it's on your list. And I brought, I'm glad you brought it to the table. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because I, I knew you weren't like the hugest fan the first time you watched it. But yeah, I know how like I know how you like are like, OK, this is the first time watch. And then you kind of sit with it for a while and you kind of like you kind of see why it's. Is oh, it's fun right and here's yeah. the thing everyone has fun with different films right exactly like, you know at the end of the day you like what you like and that's absolutely fine um it is a fun and it's a classic film it's really it's well renowned and a lot of people do dig it for a reason right oh yeah um i thought you were gonna be like going on a fall break oh i did oh fall i should <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have a good time. Gonna have a good time. Going on a fall, fall break. break. <laughs> fall break. Anyway, my seventeen is also a horror comedy, mm. and uh, I remember when this one came out, I was like, "I love that there's a horror fans." Like I knew what the fuck I was talking about, but I still decided that this was my opinion of this film. It came out in two thousand and twelve, and it is Cabin in the Woods. Nice. Um, one of the most clever movies I've seen that takes horror tropes and really brings them to life. First of all, it capitalizes on Evil Dead. Oh, uh, that totally does. And, and then all the ghosts that are in it and the haunted fucking objects. And then when they get, I think my favorite part is when they go into like that cube thing and it has all the different ghosts. Yes. And then the, all the ghosts come out of the elevators and kill everybody. Oh my God, <laughs> like the monsters or whatever you want to call them. Fucking mint um the ending it was the only thing about the movie i didn't love the ending still makes me mad to this day because i was like there's no pleasure <laughs> <laughs> well sure there is the angry god awoken it's true the and everybody's dead, dead 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 but i like how they uh they turn into different roles like the girl takes on the role of the slut and then like <laughs> and like how she was like yeah the girl brilliant... takes on the role of the virgin and they're like well we work with what we got like Right. Well, what I was saying, I love that because like the, with the slut character, like she was before she went to that cabin and got her hair dyed, she was like a really smart, intelligent college student. And then she got her hair dyed and they used some chemical to make her like just kind of ditzy and like oh, her, her hormones get aroused. Right? Yeah. And like the dude, they make him into like an alpha fucking man. And they're like, yeah. you play video games like or if you play D&D or something like that. I forget what they said to him, but like or he has a 4.0 GPA. Like yeah. he's also really smart and he's anyway um cabin of woods was fucking brilliant when it came out in 2012 it's brilliant today 10 years later uh glad they never made a sequel unnecessary um it's a great standalone movie you don't need anything else with it um yeah yep. that's I all would, i gotta say i was like yeah because i agree like this movie is so much fun once again a great cast of characters and uh like just an awesome idea um while i wouldn't want a sequel i would love to see like either like an anthology of different places in the world doing this because you know it showed camera on cameras like oh the japanese are doing this to these people on right. um, this I, I would just like to see little short stories of yes, like something that like, that'd be, be cool kind of fun with. yeah that i would be cool with for sure just to, just to see more monsters like yes just from that I world agree. that would be a lot of fun i agree with you um but yeah that's my that's my 17 so what's your 16 scotty all right my number 16 uh this is also i believe another 80 well i know it's an 80s film but i believe this one is 1988 let me double check because i am doing not prepared okay i'm 1987 um, yeah you're close enough but uh yep yeah, the people that have been to my house know that i am a huge fan of this the house but know that I'm a huge fan of this movie if they go into my basement and see the six-foot-tall statue I have sitting in the corner. <laughs> uh, and that is Clive Barker's Hellraiser. Oh, God. Jesus. Wept. Wept. Man. <laughs> 
such a just dark movie and like a brilliant story like just this just the idea of this puzzle box that is like a gateway to like another dimension that is basically hell but it is demons that give pleasure to the point of too much pleasure and causing like extreme pain because to them that is pleasure mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the monsters like the creatures in this the Cenobites look freaking disturbing and horrifying and the lead hell priest aka pinhead is just such an intimidating figure and man like everything about this story just works for me like uh this is like i talked about it on our podcast before this movie is one of the first well not one of the first but like one of the big ones that has stuck with me since i was a kid when i snuck down and seen my parents watching it on vhs and i was watching uncle frank build himself up from that drop of blood and when he like starts forming and he does that like baby cry scream sound yeah and i was just around the corner watching just like as a little kid just watching my parents from behind them and i just bolted upstairs and hid underneath my blankets and was like terrified and then had nightmares for weeks just because of that scene and but yeah this movie is just incredible it's sexual it's it is definitely the perverse mind of clive barker which like is brought on screen and I just cannot wait to see the new adaptation that is going to be coming out because I'm very curious to see if they are going to be as ballsy and do as much as they did for this original film. I hope so. But yeah, Um, there's a reason Pinhead is an icon. Doug Bradley just portrayed that character so fucking well. And it was my number 11. Was it really? Yes, it was. Nice. So I have swapped it out for something else. But uh, to give a shout out, Hellraiser is a fucking phenomenal film the discussion of pain and sexual pleasure, the cin- the Cenobites, when they appear, like, the makeup. Yeah. Like, mwah. The scenes where that worm is off after Christy. Mwah. Like, what could this movie not do where she confronts Pinhead? Talk about a fucking amazing final girl. Yes. Right? Um, fucking fighting demons and shit. Like, that shit's for real. Like, you don't get more real than fighting and fucking up demons. So Hellraiser deserves its place. It was number 11 on my list. It has been swapped out for something else. Um, nice. But mad, mad, mad respect for this film. Clyde Barker. Mwah. Yeah. remake reboot bring it on let's see what yep. else we got i'll say bringing in a uh female androgynous style pinhead fuck yes i, fuck I can't yes. wait to see it so my 16 is also a real good feel good movie as well uh that you you know brought to the table with hell hell um Hellraiser. Hellraiser. uh this one is called the suicide club 2001 Ooh um suicide club 2001 is one of the heaviest films i've ever watched i would like to thank jerry from kill the cast for referring uh getting me to watch it one of the best films i've ever seen of um talking about society social media pressures um demons like inner demons of suicide it really explores the concept of suicide well it is a dark film there is some very upsetting scenes in this film so i want to caution people before they watch it heavy heavy film excellent film i don't think scott's had a chance to watch it yet nope um hopefully one day before we finish podcasting he'll get an opportunity to because it is a awesome movie yeah because i really want to see it because i know you've loved this movie like from the beginning like since we started talking like i knew like this is like one of your became one of your favorites so i i expected it to be somewhere on this part of the list and it's a it's a very if you if you enjoy asian horror this is one that you should not miss out on 
Um, it is an incredible film, but I will caution again, it is a very heavy topic. There are children scenes of suicide. So, you know, go into this knowing that it's very, very dark and it's very, very heavy. And if you're not in the space for that, that may not be a place for you right now. So right. please keep that in mind, which watch with caution. And we're going to pause for just a second. So, you know, after this commercial break, we'll be right back. Scott? After these messages, we'll be right back. Cha-cha. This'll keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You caught me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. All right, and we are on to number 15. So, Scott, what's your number 15? All right, so some people may be surprised that this is 15 and not higher, but it is uh, my all-time favorite movie in this franchise, and this is Friday the 13th, Part 2 from 1981. I am surprised it's not higher. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I thought it would be in the top 10. Oh, it, originally it was, but after these few, uh, like these two years of having first time watches and then having also these movies that I've seen in the current generation, it's made me think of my list and what I watch more and more. And, you know, I think it's kind of like you with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, where like I've just watched these movies so much that they're just not something I go to nearly as much anymore. I get that. But I still love this movie of all of them. This is my all time favorite of the franchise. I used to say, part two and four were tied for number one but as years have gone on i have just come to love baghead jason and i love the characters just as much as i love the characters in final chapter like these characters like you can root for them freaking uh amy Steele is genie uh, as genie as like the therapist like therapist and that's a college student that's gone through mm-hmm. therapy like the, doing the therapist stuff and learning psychology like to use using psychology against jason that was really cool and she's an amazing final girl like absolutely and jason's extremely intimidating in this where he's you know he's still human and he's still kind of like deformed mountain man but man this movie just had everything i liked the kills were incredible jason was extremely intimidating and just dangerous and and yeah the cat just had amazing characters and yeah it's friday the 13th it's just a very good slasher film I could not agree more with you. Um, I think two is really entertaining and moves really quickly as well. Yeah. Um, Which I think, I don't know if one does as much. Like I enjoy the first one quite a bit. It's a different film. Like it's a different, you know, Friday 13th 
Friday the 13th, let's just say Friday the 13th, not the first one, let's say Friday the 13th. You know, that wasn't meant yet again to be a franchise. Right. It was and, meant to just be a one-off film. Yeah, and I was going to say, that one definitely plays out differently than the sequels because it plays out more like as a whodunit murder mystery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With just and really good gore. It was with great gore, but I think the Jason lore that starts at the tail end of um, the first movie when he technically pulls her into the lake, um leads to the second movie and the second movie does a great job of setting the premise yeah. and you know jenny's a great character everyone calls a great character there's some great characters in that i like the bar they go to i enjoy being at a bar i can't wait to again. <laughs> i just said that so i could talk about being in a bar i know you did <laughs> i miss bars but yeah great film surprise is so high but i get it you and i as hair flip beer flip we're much more seasoned now. We know a lot more. We're yeah. we're kind of big deals. We're, we're, we're such a big deal. <laughs> Absolutely. With our dozens of listeners. <laughs> dozens. We love you we all. Thank you. We want to thank you all. Uh, my number 15 is another Japanese film. And it was a first time watch from last year. It is Pulse 2001. Yeah. Scott knows how much I love this movie. Oh, this one affected you. Really this one good. It really did. Uh, fuck, it was heavy. And it was, it really, I, I just find that Japanese films are so much further ahead of the curve. Like Suicide Club talked about social media and internet and, and killing yourself. And Paul's talked about the evils of online. Sorry, my dog's barking um, and I'm in the <laughs> middle of talking. So I apologize for people that hear that in the background. Homegrown podcasting right here. Um Definitely, when you look at Pulse, for those of you who haven't seen it, please don't watch the the American. Film. <laughs> like it's not. It's it is what it is. Okay, like it's a two thousand American film. Like it, yeah, it just it just misses right. the point completely. But it misses the point that the Japanese film was trying to present with how people become disconnected through technology and what it can do to people. And it is a fucking phenomenal film, and it's so subtly scary. There's a particular scene with an elevator that is extremely creepy. And I think that if you haven't had a chance to watch these two films, Suicide Club and Pulse, which are, you know, neck and neck for me in terms of some of my favorite Asian films, Japanese films, check them out. They're fucking great. Um, I know, Scott, you weren't a huge fan of Pulse, but I know you at least appreciated it. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for the film because it did ta- it did tackle a very heavy subject. And it was just a bit too slow for me on yeah. that one because it is a very slow burn. It very, is a very, very slow burn because that's just how Japanese films are. Like these ghost yeah. story Japanese films and they're they're slow. You really got to be invested in it. Um, and there's certain slow. And here's the thing about the word slow um, or slow burns. What is a movie that's here's a here's a great example. Scott and I watched The Lighthouse together. I thought I was going to die. Okay. <laughs> uh, incredible camera work incredible acting beautiful set design understood the line delivery just wasn't my thing scott loved it yeah right and why did you love it scott i just i just loved the characters and i loved the uh, whole story of like poseidon and all this stuff that's Mm -hmm. all the stuff that you could kind of pull from that film yeah and like obviously everything that was just the technical aspect of it as well like i just loved i just loved it as a whole and for me you also loved the witch yep right 
Um, and I loved Pulse and Suicide Club. Now, Scott hasn't seen Suicide Club, but I know he won't like it as much as I did. He'll appreciate it, but he won't like it as much as I did. Both, all four of those movies are slow burnt. So I think when we say slow burns, it's important to acknowledge slow burns also with your interest. Mm -hmm. Scott is a big interest in mythology. He's very knowledgeable when it comes to that. He understands it a lot better than I do. And he cares about it more than I do. I care about some mythology, but sometimes it loses me. The Lighthouse lost me. I just, as much as I appreciate the quality of the film, it just wasn't a film for me. And I think that's really important to think about when Scott and I talk about slow burns is because slow burn can mean different things depending on what your interest is. So almost when we say slow burn and you may not like it or someone doesn't like it typically means that their interest wasn't in that topic and that they weren't interested in the character development that was going on and the story that was going on. But all four of those movies are incredible films. And I think the serve to be watched and you can evaluate what you like or not. I just wanted to highlight that, Scott, because for people that have listened to us, I think it's important that they understand that both of us appreciate slow burns, but it's different types of slow burns. Yeah, that really connect, exactly. Right. Because yeah, like there are so many different varieties of slow burns and some just hit some just hit you differently. Right. But they're still being able to walk away like both of us do and go, but that's an excellently made film. Yes. Like, whether I, like St. Maud, wasn't anywhere near my top 10 or top 21 this year. I didn't even give it an right. award, right? But that doesn't mean I don't respect the fuck out of that film, the acting, the writing, everything. It just didn't do it for me. Exactly. It wasn't my go-to. Doesn't mean it's a bad movie. And I feel like that's the difference. Yep. Right? I completely agree. So anyway, I guess we're on to uh, 14 now. All right. So number 14. Uh, let's see. Yep. Okay. So this is definitely not a slow burn. <laughs> Uh, but this is uh, a sequel, and that is uh, my, oh, I think it is my all-time favorite slasher. Uh, like, I hope I put this correctly in my list, like, where it should be, because, it like, I always claim this is my all-time favorite slasher, and I will stand by this. And that is 1988's Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers. Fuck yeah, that's a great one. Man, I just love this movie. It Pamela Springsteen does such a fun, like, she's not the greatest actress in this film, no. But she, you could tell she's having a blast and mm-hmm. she makes Angela just very fun and entertaining. They obviously got the idea of why, why is cracking killer from Nightmare on Elm Street and rolled mm-hmm. with it with her in this because obviously in the first film, she barely spoke a word. And in this film, you can't get her to shut up. And at the same time, like her obsession with just wanting everybody to be good campers in her eyes and like, if you do something wrong that is against, like, what you should do as a good camper, she is going to be uncaring and murder the shit out of you. Oh, fuck. And the murder scenes in this are mwah. Yes. Mwah, the core, the gore. Fuck yeah. Like, fuck and, yeah, Sleepaway Camp too. And once again, has great characters all around in this one that you feel for, that you root for to get killed with some of them. And, like, I mean, just some unique kills, like the fucking outhouse porta potty death is just... Awesome awful and just horrible what because you know she's got these slashes all over her back and then being dumped in toxic waste basically and just constant infection if she didn't die from drowning she would have died from oh she would have gone septic for sure yeah for sure yeah oh and but yeah just all around a lot of fun with it like you could tell everybody made this movie and we're just having a lot of fun with it and like yeah uh pamela springsteen just takes the cake for as angela for me in this film because yeah you can just tell she's having a great time and just brought her own style of angela to the table and yeah this movie is just something i throw on every summer because it's just 
super it's an easy watch and it's just a lot of fun absolutely scotty you said it perfectly as always um my number 14 is a movie i saw in the theaters and i remember seeing this movie and being like and that's how you do a fucking infection film 28 days later 2002 uh fuck man i i'll never forget sitting there in the theater and watching our main protagonist wake up in a hospital and everyone's gone and it's just him and he's been in this fucking coma he has no idea what's happened and he's trying to piece it all together and i remember thinking this is how we you know whether you consider that a zombie film or an infection film that movie did something different and it much like night of the living dead did something different at the time and 28 days later as an english film did and one of the scenes that always stands out to me is there's a part where the father and the daughter like there's a group of them traveling together and um he gets some blood in his eye and he's changing and he tells his daughter that he loves her very much and then they have to kill him and it is heart-wrenching there's also a part where an older female sacrifices herself physically she offers her body so they leave the younger one alone and i remember being like yeah i would do that in a heartbeat like i would do that i'd be like no no take me leave her alone take me right like i would and like even thinking about that scene makes me emotional i just think that movie pulls you in to its clutches and doesn't let you go and I saw it in the theaters and I was hooked and I've watched it several times since when 28 uh, weeks, no, 28 weeks weeks later came out. I thought it was okay. Like I enjoyed it for what it was, but to me, the original just fucking has its place and it it really pulled feelings from me. And to me, that's what makes a movie. Nice. Yeah. I'm being quiet on this one because I watched it once shortly after it came to DVD and haven't seen it since. Um, the only scene I remember is the blood droplet landing in the guy's eye and that whole scene and how that escalates. But I do remember really liking it and it being very intense. And yeah, you are right. It's a unique take on infection. And like, uh, oh, and then I do remember the whole how this whole thing started came with from the monkeys in the lab. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, like I, this is something I've been wanting to rewatch because like I say, I don't remember and it would almost feel like a first time watch for me. And I'd never seen 28 weeks later. It's not a bad follow-up. It's not as good in my opinion as 28 days later, but I don't think 28 weeks. I mean, it's a big piece of shit. Like it is like, it is what it is. Right. Right. Um, but 28 days later, that's the characters in it and the relationships, you know, and, and doing something different as we can see by a theme that I like is political themed movies and movies that do something different Mm -hmm. that, you know, not the same shit we've seen for the 18th time over, like something different. And I think 28 days later did that in 2002. Um, So yeah. Yeah. That's a great choice. And uh, yeah, speaking of a certain style of a theme slash, I guess, subgenre and horror that is uh, totally up Scott's alley. We are going into slapsticky, gory horror comedy with this nice. one, and that is a wonderful classic, um, starring Bruce Campbell, directed by Sam Raimi, and pretty much a sequel. Some people call it a remake, but it is Evil Dead Two from ni- <laughs> 1987. One Fuck this movie! Uh, I love this movie so much. Bruce Campbell comes in. This is pretty much where Ash became the icon that he is. Mm -hmm. Part one, Ash was a completely different Ash than part two, Ash. Yes, yes. And part two is where he's getting these one-liners and he's quippy and he's like a smart ass. And he is uh, basically Sam Raimi's punching bag for the whole entire movie because Sam Raimi's just like, I want to torment the shit out of Bruce Campbell in this film and beat the living snot out of him in every single way possible. And he does. 
Like, it's funny as hell because it is literally the physical comedy is what makes me laugh in this. And it's amazing. I've watched this movie countless times. I couldn't even count how many times on my hands I've watched this. I just love it to death. Bruce Campbell, it does such a fantastic job. And like, yeah, the other side characters, yeah, they're okay. They're nothing special, but this is a vehicle for Bruce Campbell to shine his ash with some just great, great over-the-top style special effects and great over-the-top gore. And uh, one of the scenes that I just love every single time I watch this movie and I just giggle is pretty much when he finally just snaps. He's sitting in the rocking chair. He's just completely drained and exhausted from all the shit he's gone through. Then the chair collapses underneath of him. And all of a sudden the deer head just turns and starts laughing at him. And then he looks around and everything else is starting to laugh at him. And he just fucking snaps and he starts laughing and he just starts following and laugh, like going up and down with the lamp and just stops, pauses. And then they bust out laughing again. And I'm like, I lose my shit every time I see that scene. Cause it's like, yep, this is where a man has just fucking lost his goddamn mind. And, but it does it in such a fun way. This movie is just so much fun to me. Like, once again, a movie, like all these that are on this top 15 list are things I pretty much watch on a yearly or more basis. I know it's your fave. I know you love it. And I'm not surprised it's here. <laughs> right. Um, I think the first time I watched it was with you. Yes, it was. Uh, and I enjoyed it. Not as much as you do, but I do appreciate it for what it is. Um, my number 13, I actually already mentioned it earlier. I kind of gave it away a little bit. Um, one of the things I liked best about this movie is the lore behind it, that George A. Romano purposely hired a black protagonist, Ah, but he didn't, he just hired who he thought was best for the job. And that is night of the living dead, 1968. Mm. I think this movie, man, where do I begin? Um, it starts off in a graveyard and the brother and his sister are coming to say their respects. I think it's their parents. Yep. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Barbara. And they do come to get her. And I can, I've never been able to walk by a cemetery the same way after seeing that film. And when they get to the house and the power dynamic struggles within that house and the choices they make is extremely enlightening of what would actually happen. We've seen this with COVID. Um, (laughs) There would be dumbass people who would not want to work together to get things done. And the zombies are slow moving, but it's terrifying at the same time because they swarm you. And the ending is not surprising and probably would still happen today. And I said what I said. So mm-hmm. you are <laughs> you're not wrong. And I think that says something from 1968 to now. And I don't think that was George A. Romano's purpose behind that film because his casting choice wasn't done purposely. Um, it was just done of who was the best actor for the job. Yeah. And I think that this movie, I think most horror fans have seen it. I think most people love it. I think most people praise George A. Ro- George A. Romano, rightfully so. Uh, and this is why it falls as my number 13. Wonderful. Like, this movie is a classic, and there is a reason for it. This movie is still intense and terrifying. And, yeah, it shows not only, like, a has a, like, social message behind it, like, even if it was not meant to be there, it still does. And it also shows human behavior when trapped inside, kind of like what the mist that I talked about last episode does. Shows human behavior and how people react differently during a stressful situation like this when they're trapped together. And yeah, like this is just an incredible film. I'm glad you put it, I had it on your list because this was this was on the list originally and I ended up taking it off to add other films because yeah, I do love this film. But yeah, once again, there's uh, so hard to make this list. 
It is. And, and I think also with this movie, I think our lists are also really reflecting. If you look at my movies, majority, like I would say 50% of them have political messages to them. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of funny comedies that sometimes have political messages to them. And then just, you know, fun shit like waxwork, you know, where it's just a fucking goofy choose your own adventure fucking wax museum shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about waxworks when we were in the wax museum <laughs> when we went to Niagara Falls. Um, but like, you know, we all have what we like, right? And yeah. it's not to say that other movies aren't great. Um, there's probably, there's, there has been movies that Scotty has said that I haven't put on my list that are fucking phenomenal films. They just didn't fall there. So this is where it's fun. Uh, we did have some samesies though. I will yeah. say we did have a lot of samesies. Um, so yeah, if you want to bring it in with your number, where are we now? 12. My number 12. Still rolling with the whole slapsticky, over-the-top, violent, humorish horror film. Uh, this one is uh, a very early project of one well-known director, Peter Jackson, uh, <laughs> made in 1992, oh and that God. is Brain Dead, Dead Alive. Oh my God! Of course it is. <laughs> this movie is so fucking funny so fucking gory probably still to this day one of the most goriest films out there like practical effects wise like and the one thing i love about this film is that this was like a like true independent horror film where peter mm-hmm. jackson and like his small little team did everything for it yeah. and it's just got that kiwi style comedy from new zealand that just fucking hits perfectly Mm-hmm. it's so silly it's slapsticky uh once again i just like in these type of movies i always gotta talk about the scene that makes me giggle the most and it's the main character taking the baby zombie <laughs> stro- uh, in his stroller down the in the public and it's just he's literally just kicking the shit out of it throwing it in front of cars it's hilarious oh like because like, you normally if it's a baby you're going oh that is awful but this baby it just looks so goofy and monstrous you're just and it's just like and it yeah. can't die <laughs> and it's yes. just and it's just yes. coming back every every time and it's just funny the way it's done it's it reminds me almost of a like what if monty python decided to do a zombie movie absolutely what a great comparison like it is just so fucking entertaining i just love everything about it like i watched this I think when i was like 17 years old because i had always heard about it always heard about it never seen it went to the video store rented it not realizing i rented a r-rated version and i'm going really this is what people are talking about i mean it's funny it's entertaining this isn't that gory and then i realized i rented the r-rated version there's an unrated cut i'm going well how much different could it be so i rented the unrated cut and brought it home and i'm going oh okay yeah there's a lot they did not add in the r-rated version holy <laughs> shit <laughs> Um, but yeah this movie is just so incredible and you know, goes to show like the talent that is Peter Jackson and why he has the movies that he does now underneath his belt like Lord of the Rings the Hobbit trilogy fucking King Kong and he's just a master <laughs> like now he's like he deserves to be where he is in his life as a director you know what I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of the film but you know I love the practical effects of that film and I respect yeah. it because Peter Jackson fucking is the bomb diggity like he fucking nails it out of the park. And yet again, this is a situation where maybe it's not one of my favorite films, but I respect the fuck out of it because it's an incredible practically practical effects does what it's meant to do movie. Yes. Like it is what it is and it presents it the way it wants to be presented. And I, I got nothing but respect for Peter Jackson because I like that shit more than I like Lord of the Rings. Yes. <laughs> I do not love Lord of the Rings. Mm. I enjoy the battle scenes. Those are the only things I like in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the hobbits are annoying as fuck. I'm oh. sorry. Oh. And oh. the ending That's scene, it. 
It we made it to episode minutes, 51. 20 minutes too long for that fucking movie to end. I will admit, Return of the King's ending just well, had about 10 endings, and it was driving me nuts when I ridiculous. stayed up late to watch it. So, but I do love the battle scenes. I do love those a lot. But you have uh, insulted my Hobbit heritage. I know. you. Yeah. I don't know. Because I, too, to have that. Harry. I, too, like second breakfast and oh Harry God, feet say and short. balls or something like that. <laughs> I do have Harry balls. <laughs> Why do you respect my hairy balls, Heather? Um, and, and I do enjoy the habit leaf occasionally. Or do I? <laughs> um, my number 12 is a movie that is near and dear to my heart. I remember seeing it in the cheap theaters when I was on a date. You know, mm-hmm. one time I was a sired. Oh. <laughs> I know. Mm. I got to end enter in the cricket for the DMs. Cricket, cricket, cricket. <laughs> I know. You look like Popeye right now. You're like, (laughs) spinach. Um, So this movie, I've seen many a times. I remember watching it on Halloween many a times. I fucking love it. I could watch it over and over again. I quote lines. I could quote lines from it if anyone didn't think I was a big, stupid loser. And it's uh, Sleepy Hollow 1999. Nice. I love the story of Ichabod, Ichabod Crane. And I love how fucking Johnny Depp brings his character to life. He is so funny. Oh, he's great. He's so great. And there's just some giveaway lines where he shows up at the house and they invite him in. They're like, you are welcome to join us, sir. You mean if you are here to sell something? Like, it's so funny. <laughs> or like, they're giving him shit. Like, this is the only book you need to read. And it's the Bible. And like, <laughs> it's, and Christina Ritchie's character. And I had half a mind to give you mine, my heart. Like, I love it. I love that he like tells him off. You have bewitched me. Like, it's like, it's one of the few romantic fucking movies that I like. It's, it's so good. Literally one of the few. Um, I love the story of the Headless Horseman. Christopher Walken is great in it. <laughs> um, everything about this movie just fucking knocks it out of the park for me. It's it's one of the best folklore stories brought to life on the screen. And I love it, love it, love it, love it. Sleepy Hollow, 1999. Fuck yes. Uh, uh, this one is tied for tied with Beetlejuice for Tim Burton's, one of my favorite Tim Burton films. Beetlejuice is another excellent film. Too. Like, I just love this movie. Once again, it's a very stylistic movie too. Like the way Absolutely. the blood is, like everything about them, oh, it's gory. The costumes. I love Christina yeah. Ricci's outfits in it. I want to dress like that. I want to go back to that time period and be Christina Ritchie because she was like a feminist within being in this small little village. And she just like fucking held her ground. And I just fucking love her. Love her in this. I'm not a huge Christina Ritchie fan, but in that movie, man, her and Johnny Depp, I was like the bomb diggities. Loved it. Yeah. And once again, an amazing cast of characters or cast of actors. And it moves quickly. The movie moves quickly. Like it's not a slow movie. Um, and I think it's very rewatchable. Yeah. Oh, it's, yep. This is one I used to watch around Halloween all the time. I've taken a, I've rotated it out to like every couple of years now, just so I don't yeah. get burnt out on it. Cause like I do that with a lot of my stuff now, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess we are on to the number 11 and yeah, I did. I did lie. I should have swapped these around, but you know, it deserves to be number 11, but, uh, this is, uh, no, I'm going to say it now. This is my favorite slasher because yes, um, as much as I love Sleepaway Camp too, I just cannot deny the true art that is 1978's Halloween. Bravo, bravo. Like the, we're at this point now where you've already brought this up and I could have replaced it, but it is so close. These are films that are irreplaceable mm-hmm. in my top 15. So I could not I get it. swap it out. There's just no way. But yeah, John Carpenter masterpiece. Fucking perfect use of lighting, beautiful score, just 
great way to build tension and atmosphere mm-hmm. and it is like you said a slower burn but this is a such an amazing incredible film and i'm not gonna say yeah. much more because we've already talked about it but yeah. i agree and i'm glad you kept it in there i'm glad you stood your ground scotty <laughs> yeah i cannot i could not replace anything in my top 15 there's just no way because that would not be true to myself well i did <laughs> because Scott <laughs> called out one of them last week so if you if you have listened to that episode you know that i already acknowledged what used to be in the number 11 spot um, I have changed it. And luckily there was a movie that I had forgot about that really shocked my little Heather um, head when I was, went to see this movie. I was uh, 21 years old when it came out. No, I was, yeah, I was 21 years old when this came out. And I remember going to the theater to watch it. And I don't think the person I went with, also probably a date. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he enjoyed it as much. I feel like this is definitely um, a divisive film for a lot of people. But I was shocked at the ending. And I was like, fucking bravo. And that's probably where I realized I really like politically charged horror films. And this is The Village 2004. Nice. Um, one of my favorite M. Night Shyamalan Ding a Dong movies. <laughs> As we know on the show, we call him M. Night Shyamalan a Ding Dong. <laughs> Out of love, of course. It's a, it's a pet name. Well, it's a pet name I have for him anyway. I don't know him, just so we're clear. But I decided she does. It's my pet name. Yeah, we're, we're tight. We're real tight. Yeah. Um, I actually helped make old. Um, that was who she was on the date with. That's who I was at with my shawl on. He's only like 50 years older than me. It's fine. Um, but anyway, I, I fucking love this film. I really did think it was a creature. Okay, for those of you, I'm going to spoil the village. Uh, I really thought it was a creature. Just so we're clear, I fucking hook line center thought it was a creature. And when it, I found out it wasn't a creature, I was like, what the fuck? Like, at that ending, I was like what the fuck? Like, I'm pretty sure I was in the movie theater looking around me like, is anyone else shocked by this? Because <laughs> I didn't fucking see that coming. Oh my God. And then it just like blew my mind. I'm like, they're trying to escape the very thing they become. <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway. Well, that's when I realized I love political horror. So I want to shout out Dave C because Dave C also likes The Village 2004. So Dave C, we are united. Dave C from the well, Exploding Head Movies podcast. Well, and you know, I also love this movie too. So like us three. And Scott, loves this movie too and so does brandon united yep. and united. One, just like you completely caught me off guard i was just like what the fuck <laughs> right and when that main character confronts that other dude that's like what the fuck is this bitch doing like <laughs> right? had to be that guy to be like is there like a pioneer reenactment going on yeah. what the hell's going it? on <laughs> right? um the village is just and it's a really good character study of how you can try to escape violence in society but you cannot escape it Uh, violence and jealousy and hate are something that is unfortunately embedded in humans and i I think this is a real good character study on that so the village 2004 excellent choice now we're in our top 10 motherfuckers we have made it to top 10 shit all right oh man all right so once again going for more uh slapsticky over the top violent humor in this one though this one is more a uh love letter to giallo's and that is 2014's Astron 6, The Editor. Fucking hilarious movie. My God. Bella. I love this movie so fucking much. And you can tell Astron 6, the guys in this team, are huge fans of this subgenre because not only are they poking fun at it, but you can tell it is out of pure love for these, these types of movies. Because sure. I mean, they even go as far as, you know, filming the movie. And then going back and overdubbing their own voices with their own voices, oh my but God, just overdubbing so it in like with a ridiculous like Italian sounding accents, and 
it is just so funny it is so gory um and it's got a really good mystery story to it that like fits perfectly in the giallo category like um and it's like i i love just like how just tongue-in-cheek they are with a lot of what's going on and they also just have a ton of homages to like different uh different italian films and different italian directors like Mm -hmm. i mean hell like uh, the main character, like, he, I think he was, like, or the detective, he was in the lab, uh, library looking around and found a book about the three mothers, which is, you know, not to Argento's uh, Suspiria, Inferno, and Mother Suspiria. of Fears. <laughs> and, uh, and also while he's in there, all of a sudden, a bunch of tarantulas start coming out of nowhere. And that is not to Lucio Falci's The Beyond. Hell, right? they even have a nod to Videodrome with the uh, breathing tape and all that stuff. Like, but yeah. It's Canadian horror. I know they said, like, I watched a lot of behind the scenes stuff on this, and they said this was one of the hardest films to make and also get distributed because not many people were familiar with what they were trying to do. But mm. like they they nailed it. The dialogue in this is smart, it's funny, and they are great at telling the story. And it's a good mystery. It's amazing. It's a funny fucking movie. One of it's it's awesome. I'm so glad you referenced this to me. And I'm glad I watched some Italian giallos before I watched this. Yeah, it made a lot more sense. Yeah, I was gonna say because you could you would still watch it without it and it'd be entertaining because it's funny, but at the same time, like you would get the references way more oh, on why things are being more, done. For sure. Great pick. I know you love it, and I know you love Last Strong Six. So I'm glad yeah. you brought that to the table. Uh, my number 10 is a recent film. It is from my 2020 list and it is, and I'm going to say it and I mean it, my favorite, favorite exorcism film of all time. Nice. And it is the cleansing hour. And I get all those people that are rolling around right now, pissed off that the exorcist isn't one of my favorite exorcism films. It is a very good film. All right. No one is taking away from the exorcist here. This is a personal list, but the cleansing hour is fucking sick. It is. I can't even, I can't even start to talk about how good the demon is in it. The voice, what they say, the chick that it takes over and how she acts, the makeup, the, the relationship, the kills, the ending. It is, Mm -hmm. it is dark. It is a dark film and it is a fucking roller coaster from the beginning to the end. It is on Shutter, and if for some reason you missed it last year, I strongly recommend checking it out. This is such a fun movie, and it's right. dark, and the ending is just dark, really dark, <laughs> real dark. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's great, and I and I there's a lot of exorcism films out there I like. I do enjoy The Exorcism, Emily Rose. I do enjoy The Exorcist. I do enjoy the Conjuring films, which in essence, by the way, everyone are all fucking exorcist films because that's what Mm -hmm. they're doing throughout the entire thing. Um, But uh, The Nun as well, great exorcism film. Well, not as good as this one. But I think this film is just brings exorcism films back to life. I just think it's so good. Kill the Cast recently covered it. Uh, So if you haven't had a chance to listen to them, they're back. They covered this one. Uh, so please check it out and yeah love it very i'm glad you brought this to the table because yeah this movie is so much fun so scotty what is your number nine all right so my number nine is my all-time favorite horror anthology that is 1964 directed masaki kobayashi's kwaidan really yes this japanese anthology is just so freaking incredible it is like each story is basically like a piece of art. It is mm. so well done. There, this is an anthology that does not have a wraparound and it does not need one. 
it is just one story after another. There are four stories in them. All of them are incredible. One or two are a little better than the rest, but they. this is just such a... It's, it's the rare anthology where the whole movie is done by one director. Like, all four, where all four stories are done by one director. And yeah, this is just a gorgeous piece of cinema. Each story is creepy or heartbreaking, and it is just so wonderfully acted. And like, yeah, it's just everything about this film is a pure masterpiece. This is like, like I said before, these are all 10 out of 10 films and this would be an 11 out of 10. Like it's incredible. And like anybody that is into like international films or Japanese films and you like anthologies, I highly recommend watching this because like these stories, not only like I said, are just creepy, but they are also like some of them are very just kind of heartbreaking and emotional and just, mm-hmm. and I mean, hell, it's a long anthology. I think it's like two and a half hours long and it's only four stories, but that's because one of the stories is the length of a full length movie. I think it's like an hour and 15 minutes. And that is about Hiroshi the Earless, about a monk. And like, yeah, these are all like older, like the feudal Japan era of Japanese like like the stories are all based in that time period and so it's like yeah just all built on their mythologies and their like the beliefs they have in their cultures but yeah I cannot recommend this movie enough this is like my snobby art movie of the show but hey y'all gotta I haven't seen it and I gotta watch it because with your praise it's gonna be a good film yeah, I was gonna say because yeah, even Brandon Orlick watched it for the first time for our anthology stories, and he like loved it. So you would say it's a hidden gem. It is, and it's sad that it has to be hidden. Like it shouldn't be. This is one well, that's not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we can show you the world. Lots of random horror movies. <laughs> now I got a real hidden gem on mine. A real Ooh, boy. highbrow. Mm, highbrow, howbrow. I'm going to shock a lot of people that I have at this high, I'm sure. But I don't give a fuck about you. (laughs) Scott knows that song. I I sung that song to him when he was going through some hard times. Um, (laughs) Oh, man. About somebody else. Yeah, that was a while ago. (laughs) Yeah, but it was great. It was was a special time. Um, This film is Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Nice. 1987. One of these nights you'll be gone. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, fucking love Dream Warriors. I don't give a shit. Welcome to Trying Time, bitch. Um, Kincaid and him losing his fucking mind all the time. The wrist scene with the puppet and like fucking, I still can't, well, I can't watch that scene. I'm always like, eeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeee
Oh, see, Dexter's oh. like, I really wish you would get off the heroin, Heather. That's <laughs> not true. I can't afford heroin. Um, Scott's yelling at Dexter now. So basically, there's a meme of Scott and I. Scott is the wizard, and I am the uh, the chick that dies of a heroin overdose because it's the only character that I could think of to be at the time that we were talking about it on air. Shouts out to Darren Wilson from the uh, Psychosemantic podcast. Please check that out if you haven't had a chance to. Great political listening, uh, and also Darren's a king of memes. So he is. He is the master of uh, Photoshop. The master of Photoshop. So so what is your number eight, Scotty? Well, you briefly mentioned this one earlier. It was not on your list, but you talked about it as when you were talking about other films. And that is 2015's Robert Eggers' The Witch. <gasps> I'm so shocked. I know you are. But once again... Clickety-clack, clickety-clack, clickety-clack. Clickety-clackety, clickety-clackety. <laughs> sorry, clickety-clackety. <laughs> Oh, I love everything about this film. I mean, obviously, Heather has teased me over the years with the whole, you know how they made the movie? They made the house with the um, tools. Did you know and- that in the list, they made the tools? With the, they made the house with the tools because they made it authentic. <laughs> God, you're such a dork. And did you know that the house? They used the same camera from that time period because they made it authentic. They also uh, starved them in the lighthouse because they made it authentic. I'm just kidding. But that's Uh, which is a great fucking film it is it's fucking so well done and well made and well acted it's great yeah this is there and uh anya taylor joy's like first ever appearance like really yeah i think that was her first ever acting gig at least wow well-known one and i mean obviously we see where she is now in last night in soho and a couple other films that she's been in she's incredible And, and like i think she was 17 in this film um but yeah amazing once again amazing acting beautifully shot like amazing story like it is a literally a folk tale from the 16th century new england like it even says like like it's i just love the idea of this it's uh you know this super religious family gets tired of how this town is being run like and not by the their beliefs so they fucking pack up and go and live in the woods we're fucking out of here fuckers (laughs) yeah you got you all are fucking sinners we're getting out of here and it just and they go out in these woods and it shows that this family is not as well as they or not as uh good as they thought they were and like are slowly getting punished throughout all of this like punished the crops are going bad the like and then like they're starting to have delusions and seeing things and like shit's just they're tearing each other apart and the concept of the devil being this black goat black philip i just and i love the fucking goat and apparently from what i heard this goat was a pain in the ass to work with it was stubborn as shit <laughs> it looks like it was stubborn as shit they just incorporated that into the film because yeah, i guess it almost look- gored the father a couple times <laughs> i believe it goats like don't put up with shit man no they're like we know we saw lamb yeah we know <laughs> we know but yeah this we movie know what is farm just- animals can do <laughs> that's true <laughs> but man this film is just so well done I love it. And the one thing that always annoys me when I hear people just talk about this film that they don't like it is, well, I couldn't understand the language. I couldn't understand it because the language they were speaking. It's like, it's old, old English. English. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's old English. How do you not understand what the fuck they're saying? Like, I can understand you might have a hard time hearing because the father's voice is such a deep voice. Then turn on subtitles. Uh, yeah. There's an like, option. Yeah. Like, turn on the captions. Like, it's. But yeah, like if that is your complaint, then I'm sorry. You, you, this movie's gonna not be for you then, apparently. But and then you're like, wrong. Yeah, you are wrong. Like if, that, if that's your reasoning, like if you don't like the story, sure, whatever. But 
man, I just, this movie just hit with me on all levels. Like, because mm-hmm. once again, it's folklore and I love folklore. It absolutely is a great solid movie. As much as I tease Scotty about, you know, everything. Um, he really does have good taste in films and this is an exceptional film. Very well made, very well done. Yeah, but um, you brought up a very good point about this film when you first watched it, how this could be a stage play. Oh, it absolutely could, you know, and I think the acting in it is out of this world. So I, you know, yet again, when it's a stage play, when it's, it has a capability to be a stage play, it's probably something pretty good. Yeah. Um, my number eight is a movie from this year. As we talked about, I enjoy movies that are different. I enjoy movies that do something that hasn't been done before. And that movie that did it this year is The Sound of Violence 2021. Nice. And I will stand by that. I know a lot of people don't love this movie. I think there's a handful of people that love it as much as I do. You listen to some podcasts of a bunch of dudes that loved it. I guess I'm with them. Uh, I absolutely love the concept of someone seeing something traumatic happen and then sounds of people dying gives them comfort and and extreme painful ways of people dying. And the ending scene, Stands out to me. Yeah, I get it. It's not possible, okay? Like, I don't really give a fuck about it's possible. Neither is fucking Dream Warriors, okay? Like, this isn't about what's plausible. It's about what's creative and entertaining for me. And this movie will stand out as one of the most creative, entertaining films of a different concept that I have seen. And I really enjoy films that bring something different. And this brought something different. Uh, So for me, it's my number eight. And I talked about it recently, so we don't really need to go into great detail. But great fucking movie. And wow, I did not expect it. I did not. I did not expect this be on your list that's awesome i know i'm just all you know keeping it fresh. you're full of surprises full of surprises. do you hear that everyone <laughs> full of surprises all right. all right scott what's your number seven my number seven um some people may be like well you said you were only gonna put one from a franchise i didn't call this a franchise i call this a trilogy so I'm bringing this. I'm bringing another one from this. <laughs> no, trilogy. I'm bringing it no matter what. <laughs> these are these are my rules, and I'm allowed to break them. My show, and I do what I want. Yeah. So that is from the year of my birth. <laughs> no, my birth. <laughs> 1981, directed by Sam Raimi, starring Bruce Campbell, the no. original Evil Dead. You don't say, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this movie. I, I used to have one and two swapped around, where part two I liked better, and then part one was good this one like as i as i've watched them both more and more i like this one more because it is just straight up mean-spirited horror at its finest something that really hadn't been done like obviously there was something that had been done because uh recently like not recently but uh in the 70s because uh android brought it up on our seven uh that 70s top five where he said you know it inspired evil dead but yeah. like it was something that I'd never seen before and like one of the original Cabin in the Woods style horror films and it's so low budget and what they had to do to make this film this is like true guerrilla filming independent filming at its finest like I mean for crying out loud this was an abandoned cabin that they stayed in while filming inside of it at the same time and like they had fucking people like uh, homeless people coming in and crashing there while they were like on like when they walk away from the set for a while and but like they had a lot to deal with and like everyone never acted in their life before and decided that this was just a group of friends getting together to make a movie and it's mean it's violent it's terrifying yep i mean yes there is a very uncomfortable rape scene with a monstrous tree that sam raimi to this day regrets ever doing because the poor woman went through hell that when she filmed it and he feels awful for what he like putting her through that 
but like at the same time it's a horrific movie it's terrifying and like one of the mm-hmm. one scene in particular always just makes me just like cringe in pain is when the uh one that one of the deadite stabs uh ash's girlfriend in the ankle with the pencil and mm-hmm. just starts twisting it around like yeah that would be painful oh i could feel that like when i watched that scene and like it's and i do love even though it looks so dated and cheesy i do love like the claymation melting of the deadites at the end when ash defeats them Mm -hmm. or i should say ashley because he was not technically called ash in this movie (laughs) but and yeah bruce campbell being a timid like kind of timid character completely different contrast compared to his ash in part two and it's but man this film is just so well done for being an independent film and you know it's a it's what started this whole genre and now why we have like the ash versus evil dead tv series and video games and like this is the start of it and i had to i i love this it's in my top 10 for a reason absolutely no i i think it's not obviously one of my favorite films but i absolutely adore that film and i adore your love of it more than anything else i think it is an incredible film and i think it shows what you can do with very little yeah right yet again an example a low budget that is done well um for me uh number seven is a movie that used to be my number one uh because i watch more films now it's moved uh this movie came out in 2015 Mm. and this movie took a concept to an std and moved it into the idea Ah. of being able to be passed around as an entity and the and it talks a lot about sex and it talks a lot about sexual identity and how women own and have more to lose from sex such as there's more of a stigma of a woman likes to have sex she's seen as a slut uh where a man is seen as a stud uh the idea that women you know conceive babies and that they're more likely to hold on to something and be ashamed of it and that's it follows from 2015 and this movie is creepy as fuck. Uh, I love showing this horror movie to people that have never seen it before. And I have yet to show it to someone who doesn't love it. Uh, It is creepy with the entity that follows the fact that it can change to shapes and it just follows you forever. And there's no getting away from it unless you give it to somebody else and, or it gets you. And even if you give it to someone else and they catch them, then they come back to chasing you. And I think that concept yet again, fucking brilliant, something different. The acting is great the relationships in it you feel for, and you really don't know at the end what's going on. And I think that's what makes this a phenomenal film. I knew this would be in your top 10 somewhere. <laughs> right? I was waiting for it. I, because I, I've known your love of this since we've become friends. Like that was one yeah. of the first things you told me. Yeah. And such an incredible film. And and, it, and it's moved because I've watched more films. Right. But it's still an incredible movie. Yeah, it did not make my list, but it is an incredible film. And it's a it's a Michigan-based film, filmed in is Detroit. Is it really? Yeah, Let all of it's in Detroit. See, there you go. Michigan people know how to do that shit right. And an amazing score. Yes. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible film. And I know some people don't love it and that's fine, but I think there's a deeper meaning behind it. And it talks a lot about sexual identity and it talks a lot about the differences that men and women face with sexual interactions. And I think yet again, some people don't get that unless they're a female, uh, particularly a female who enjoys sex, which is me. Um, and how, when I talk about enjoyment of sex, it's seen as different and it's seen as almost shameful, but yet I'm the one having sex with the dude. Why isn't he ashamed? Like, how does that work? Right. So I think that it's really, really interesting. Um, the film in general, and it's always had a big part. Um, I've always found it really interesting and, and the director's coming out with a new one this year, uh, something similar about hearing. So I look forward to seeing what that one's going to be all about. Yeah. I I am very curious about that. Yeah. Cause I think he did like a drama be like after it follows i forget what yeah. the name of it was i don't but, remember offhand but i heard but, it was yeah. really really good yeah good director he knows what he's doing right so. yeah 
All right, so we are on to what, number six? Six. All right, so here is my all-time favorite horror comedy from 2014, uh, directed by Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, nice. and it is a New Zealand uh, horror comedy, and that is What We Do in the Shadows. Fucking awesome film. Fucking awesome uh, this, film. This movie is so brilliant. Like, once again, th this is, like, well-written dialogue and very witty and just kind of a silly but fun idea of vampire, all these vampires from different time periods living together as flatmates and oh, i mean they gosh. all have and they have all different types of vampires you got like the vlad the impaler direct vampire you have nosferatu style the vampire. energy drainer is my favorite because oh, well, we all know someone like series. that oh sorry yeah fuck okay well no, he's but, really funny <laughs> yeah, he is hilarious like right. yeah but yeah the tv series if you have not seen it watch it. it's fucking great as well yeah the energy but, drainer in that is legit yeah <laughs> like, that's legit but yeah, I just love it. You even have like uh, like the very posh vampire that's like in like the interview with the vampire type. And like, yeah, just, and they all have different personalities and like barely get along, but just like, the, it's such silly dialogue and just, I oh, I love this movie so fucking much. We've we talked about it in our mockumentary episode, mm -hmm. and I think we did it. Yeah, we talked a lot about it on our top five horror comedies with horror for dummies guys. Mm -hmm. This it's, it's just it, yeah, the, it's it came out in 2014 and became my all time favorite horror comedy. And I think it was also Tim Davis said it was all his all time favorite. And yeah. I think Luffy also had it like high up there as well. I think like, we were all like, yeah, it's fucking awesome. Like, yeah. how do you not like? It's brilliant. It's right? fucking brilliant. And yeah, I can't say enough. I have too much love for this film. And like, yeah, this is something that I go, all right, someone that is not into horror, I can show them this movie. And you have many dates. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know well, you've told me about it. Yep. I'll say it's just one that I can easily show anybody. That is awesome. What a great selection. I love it. I love that movie. It's not on my top 50. And I think it's just because I forgot about it. Um, That's fair. And I was saying, you've only seen it like the, what, the one time so far? Yeah, I think I've just seen it once, but it was so fucking amazing. It was so yeah. really funny. And I'm glad you brought it to the table. Uh, my number six is going to be a film that probably not a lot of people have seen. Uh, it's also a film festival film. It was a first time watch for me last year. It is a French film about three young men who discover uh, somebody has been kidnapped and their lives get turned upside down because of it. And it is Among the Living, 2014. Nice. Uh, this movie's fucking dark and heavy. Yeah, uh, very heavy. Some really sad shit happens in this movie to kids. So be warned, but the fucking French man, they don't hold back. No, French um, show you everything. And this is definitely one of my definitely favorite films. Um, love it, love it, love it, love it. The acting, the character development, the relationship between the kids. It is awesome. My dog is freaking out, so I'm going to pause, <laughs> Scott. Um, but yes, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, very, you had me watch this one uh, and I checked it out on your recommendation. And yeah, this was a very heavy film, but like very, very good. And like you said, yeah, the French do not hold back. They, they don't. They, they show you things to make you feel and feel uncomfortable. They're like, you upset yet? Good. You're more upset? Right? We're going to make you more fucking upset. Martyrs is yeah. another example of that. Um, you <laughs> yeah. know, like it's just, it's anyway, Among the Living 2014 it is on Shutter for anyone that hasn't had a chance to check it out. Yeah, great freaking choice all right so this one i know we're in our top fives now yep and uh yep these films all have a special place in my heart for one reason or another and this is the true relationship-based horror film uh and what happens when you stay in a toxic relationship for way too long and you end up finding this 
group of people that will treat you like family and accept you. And that is Ari Aster's 2019 film, Midsommar. Oh, yes. Midsommar. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, my God. This film, fucking heavy. Very heavy right from the beginning with the suicide kill. Mm-hmm. with the, the sister and mother and father mm-hmm. and um also is one of the truest forms of anxiety shown on screen like yes. seeing this seeing florence Pugh's character just have her panic attacks and like suffer from anxiety like she does and the, he lingers on these scenes when she's going through those moments and certainly does it makes like someone that suffers from anxiety it may it reignited my anxiety to the point to yeah, a point yeah. and like it is so heartbreaking like to see what she's going through and then to have her asshole boyfriend who just really doesn't care and like the and way all that has been in a relationship like that where you're trying to keep it together yeah and they're and you're like why am i doing this i know i have been there i've yeah. done that yep, but down. i've been there right I'll say like, I, once again, another movie that kind of helped me with like processing my last marriage in a way, yeah. like yeah. a lot of this, like shit I could relate to. And, but, but then, yeah, also find like, I can also relate to finding like a group of people that are very accepting of you and like welcoming you in and treating you well. That would be I mean, me. Yes, exactly. You are one of those people. That's what and I'm talking about. we also do sacrifices. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, except for, you know, there is a cult aspect to this one yeah, that is, like uh, a cult. Yeah, it's a bit dangerous, but, uh, it's called a drinking. Yeah. yeah. You engage in that cult when you're up here, with which me. is also a bit dangerous, right? it's also dangerous, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And I love, like, I, you know, me, I'm a fan of like the cult style, the occult and cult style yeah. folk horror. This is definitely true folk horror. Um, I can see why people would want to compare it to the Wicker Man, but it is nothing like the Wicker Man at the same yeah, time. It's a folk horror movie. People just yeah. want to compare. They haven't watched enough folk horror, so they compare. Exactly. It. That's why. But like, yeah, this, this film is absolutely incredible. Well shot, well acted. Like, amazing story. I know it's a bit too long of a runtime for some people, especially the director's cut, which almost runs, like, three hours long. Yeah. But... And I love, like, even in the director's cut, I'm going, I don't know how Ari Aster was able to cut this down to, like, the two-hour movie that it is in theaters. Like, all these scenes feel so important. Like, I would have had... There's a lot of flower scenes that he cut out. (laughs) That's true. And there's a lot of table scenes that he cut out. True, but yeah, I guess, A lot of sky-high scenes. I'm just being funny. Like, I don't know exactly what he cut. I'm just trying to be funny. I know. But, uh, yeah, that's another thing, too, is I love things with... Things with Ari Aster that I love is... He's very good at just subtly putting something in the background to kind of give you a little taste of what's to come. And like you can pretty much figure out just the tip. Yeah, you can figure out you can figure out the whole movie (laughs) if you watch like the first like half hour. Like you can figure out what the events are gonna be like if you catch the things in the background. Like he's very good at just subtly leaving things in the background, which makes this a you know, it makes not only makes this a great movie, but makes it a good movie that you can go back and rewatch and you can pick up on these little things like, oh, I didn't even catch that before. That's brilliant. And like he does that a lot. And like a lot of his stuff that he's done and yeah, this film. Uh, also, probably one of the most realistic uh, hallucinations on mushrooms I've ever seen on film as well. Just because like the subtle breathing of the flowers and everything like that. Like it's, Agreed. Oh, it is such a uncomfortable film, but it is such a good fucking movie. Absolutely. Um, couldn't agree more. And my number five is Scream. Nice. 1996. And I feel like a lot of people talk about Scream. So I feel like we're not, I'm not going to do the diatribe that Scott just did with Midsommar. I don't think it needs it, to be honest. Like Scream's been talked about to death. Yeah. Uh, we all know what Wes Craven did in 1996. 
We all know what that movie did in 1996. We all know the shock of Drew Barrymore being the one that dies at the beginning of that fucking film. And and that scene is like iconic now of her making the Jiffy Pop, of her boyfriend being outside being tortured, you know, the phone games that occur. It spawned four sequels. You know, Nev Campbell became a fucking legend after that film in the horror community at release and made tons of fucking money. Courtney Cox already had friends money coming in and she made even more money off of this. And I think what Scream did really well is it treated audiences like they were intelligent and it made it so if a fan was in a horror movie, which is I think what every horror movie fan fantasizes about. And it was one of the first horror movies I watched. It stuck with me. It stuck to me, stuck with me to this day. Do I think it, I've met people that are bigger screen fans than me. So I'm very careful when I bring this one up because I understand that there's people out there that like this film a lot more than I do. I just really admire for what it did at the time, what it meant to me, um, how it got me into watching horror movies and just, you know, the place that it has in cinematic history. So that's why Scream's my number five. Nice. I knew it was going to be in your top 10 somewhere. I had a feeling like, I was like, is she going to shock me and not have it there? But I know. No. Can you imagine? You probably won't guess the remaining four. You will be surprised. I have, like, you always surprise me with your list. So, I, yeah, I'm, I know. I, I'm having a hard time thinking of what it could possibly be. Keep the cards close. <laughs> like me, you probably can guess the rest of my movies that are in my list. Gremlins. Mm, we'll see. All right. <laughs> but uh, number four. Well, we just talked about them. Uh, Ari Aster's 2018 Hereditary. <laughs> no, because Scott sat in the parking lot with a big Scott Crawford after this movie. Oh, who's the Scott Crawford? I'm a Scott Crawford. <laughs> Scott, do you need to go on for five minutes about Heredity too, or can we get to the point? <laughs> I well, I mean, obviously, like we've like the, everyone knows my love about this movie too, and once again, like the whole behind this, like watching the background stuff in this film as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Um, the thing that I did not mention with Midsummer because I wanted to save it for this is Ari Aster is a master of capturing grief on film. Absolutely. absolutely. When Tony Collette just breaks down and just starts scream crying after yeah. finding her daughter, Charlie, like beheaded, that I was in the theater and, you know, people, you know, there's always like a little bit of noise in the background, people chatting or whatever. It went dead silent. Like it was uncomfortable in the theater, like hearing the, just her with her emotions mm-hmm. crying like that. And fuck, this movie is just incredible once again. My love for cult horror films, and this one has that cult, and like everyone should know about Hereditary. I'm not going to go into it anymore, but yeah, I love this movie so much, and it is like one of the most incredible films out there. Already asked her, man. Yeah. Already asked her. Like, what can you say here? Tony Collette, you know, you're right, Scott. Both Midsummer and Already and Heredity are exceptional movies, and I'm not surprised that they're in that order on your list. Yeah, like, I mean, they had to be. <laughs> like right. this, oh yeah, no, like this is the film that after the theater watch, I went and sat in my car, and it's the first horror film in years to unnerve me. Like to the to point where I sat in my car and was smoking a cigarette for like 15 minutes, just going holy fuck, I need to process this. This was intense. Like, I've never felt like that in a long fucking time. For anyone who doesn't remember the movie, check out the Golden Glove. That's what Scott looked like in his car. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wow. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Scott. <sighs> you know I'm just kidding. I so know people you are. are. Like, now everyone's going to go check out the Golden Glove on Shutter. And, and now we're sorry. I look like this. Yeah, it's We're a, sorry, it's a, that's it's a, a movie film. you feel gross afterwards. You feel like you need a shower just after yeah. you watch it. Um, my number four is a 1970 film. 
And it is a film that it took me a really long time to find. And I knew that I wanted to see it because of the rain jacket. And ah. it is Alice, sweet Alice. Nice. That is how high that film up is on my list. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. That's shocking. That's awesome. Right. So I I don't know if this is considered a giallo, is it? Uh, no, I think this is like a proto slasher. Proto slasher. Yeah. Um, so fucking good. I love the fact that you really don't know whether who did this, this, this murder, um, throughout it. And I love some of the people that get their comeuppance in out this film, particularly an old creepy man. He deserved it. I stand by that. And it is just a fucking awesome film. Some people may find it slow. It's definitely a 1970s film. Um, I talked about it in my seventies list and it's my number four. Excellent. That's, that is awesome. That you know, is very I came good out of left field movie. with that one. You probably didn't see that coming. Yeah. You're, you're, see now here, I'm going to be the basic bitch of horror with these, these next no, three. Don't do <laughs> I'm the basic bitch here. I'm even uh, wearing a sweater that has all the fucking horror icons on it right now. Well, I mean, but, but, you're, than me. but you're coming in with Alice, sweet Alice. Well, I'm coming in with my number three, uh, Ridley Scott directed 1979 alien how could you not though great fucking movie like ah uh, like i once again talked about this on the top five 70s horror films so if you want to hear me gush about that film go back and listen to that episode but i will just say this is a masterpiece in sci-fi horror extremely mm-hmm. haunting and scary and it feels like a haunted house in space and the alien agreed. is just so terrifying agreed and it's just got like the, he's built a he did some amazing world building in this film couldn't agree more um for me my number three is a tearjerker for me i saw it at home took me a long time to sit around and watch it because at the time i was like oh, i don't want to watch movies with subtitles and i thought it was going to be dumb it was probably the most emotional ending of a movie i've seen in a really long time and that was trained to Basan in 2016 Oh, wow. Um, Nice. I love the characters throughout this, the father and daughter, the people they meet on the fucking train, the kids, what some of those kids are forced to do, their friends later on. You feel for everybody in this fucking situation and you feel the panic. You feel the panic of people with crowds. And I remember after watching this movie, shortly after I went to something called the CNE, which is Canadian National Exhibition and took the train in and there's crowds. Oh. It's pre-COVID, right? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I just watched this film and I, I was, I was overwhelmed and still the ending scene with the father and the daughter fucking stays in my mind and the ultimate sacrifice he makes. Um, and the one character, the female character that I didn't think was going to live and bless her fucking heart. She's a fucking boss, man, because that was pregnancy done well in a film where this chick fucking somehow made it. Yeah. And I love this film. The sequel was a little bit more of an action flick peninsula. It was okay. Um, but Train to Basan, love it. And yeah, you are right. That is a tearjerker film. Like I was like in tears with this film. It was so heartbreaking and just like, you, yeah, like you said, every character in this you felt for. I mean, you hated yeah. a few of them, but like some of them you just like really felt for what they were going through. And the and, sacrifices that some of them make. Yeah, it was incredible. Right. And how people are treated. It's anyway, it's a great fucking film. Strongly recommend it for those who haven't had a chance to. Yes. So Scotty, hmm? mm-hmm. what's your number two? My number two, my all time favorite director. And that, uh, once again, you know, I feel this is like pretty, uh, pretty basic, but at the same time, this movie deserves to be where it is. It is 1982's John Carpenter's The Thing. 
And I took this off my list because it was Scott's. It was originally my 23rd. I took it off my list because Scott was going to talk about it. So I didn't want to steal his thunder. This is isolation horror at its fucking finest. Uh, it is It is like a complete whodunit in a way. Like mm-hmm. I love the fact that the alien could be anybody. Like mm-hmm. even to this day, when I watch it, I could be like, I'm watching it going, is he the alien right now? Like, cause like, who just- was the alien at the end? Yeah, that that like it leaves you with that question, and I think I don't think either of them were. I think oh. they both just didn't trust each other, and they decided to freeze to death to stop the alien from fucking running. Yeah, and uh, but no, I the acting in this is amazing. It like the buildup of tension because you know no one trusts each other. Yeah, and then I mean Kurt Russell's beautiful mullet, beautiful hair. Beautiful hair. <laughs> uh, but my name's Kurt Russell. And look at my hair. Mm, look at that hair, and of course the all-time greatest special effects in any horror film any movie ever done practically like it's incredible that this is 1982 for almost 40 years old now and the effects are still some of the best that have ever been done for a creature design because rob boutine who made this movie or made the effects for this film I don't know how he came up with the idea for some of these because they are just kind of like mind melting to try to even process how to make this and to see the behind the scenes and all the work he did in creating these and sculpting these is incredible. And the monster is absolutely horrifying because it is, we could have easily put this in a body, in our body horror episode because it's like, it's changing your body completely Mm -hmm. because it takes you over from the inside with just like a little bit of blood and Mm -hmm it's just horrifying like and Mm -hmm. it's nightmare fuel and it is literally a nod to lovecraft this stuff is like stuff that your brain can't process when it happens you're like what the fuck is this and what the fuck is going on here yeah or as in uh kurt russell you gotta be fucking kidding me (laughs) agreed agreed oh the head spider the dog monster like it's just all horrific and terrifying and it makes you feel the cold like it certainly does. It does make you feel the cold. And it's such a, like, I, I'm letting you praise it. Like, there's nothing that you're saying that I wouldn't agree with. But it was number three, 23 on my list, number two on yours. So yeah. I wanted you to express the value of this film. And the thing the thing that came from Another World 1951 was also an enjoyable movie for 1951. Yeah. But the remake is yet again an example of a good remake or a mm-hmm. remake that people prefer to the original. Right um great fucking film like i i don't know what else to add to what you said scott you've said it perfectly yeah i'll say and then yeah the the score is just subtle but really really fucking good and it's a john carpenter film where john carpenter didn't do this the score like uh but it was like it was fitting and just yes and the and the location just made you feel completely isolated in this outpost in freaking Alaska or, in, or was it Antarctica? I think it was Antarctica. But uh, yeah, like I love everything about this. Like it's such a good sci-fi horror mystery. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, my number two is one of the creepiest movies I've ever seen. And the one thing I really value about this movie, besides many others, is at the ending credits, that's where the creep factor gets turned up. When you get to the end of this movie and you realize what you missed in the background and multiple scenes, you begin to, and if you're someone like me who believes in ghosts, you begin to wonder what's real and what's not. And that movie is like Mongo 2008. Ah, nice. 
uh, one of the all-time best mock- mockumentaries, um, emotional, so well acted that you don't think you're watching a mockumentary. You think you're watching a documentary, the grief, the pain. And then when you see in those images at the end, what you miss, and you go back and you look at the film, it's, un- it's unsettling. It stays yeah. with you. And that's a sign of a really good horror film when you can go back to a movie and realize you miss things and it creep you out a little bit. Yeah. It makes you, and any of course it depends. Like some people out there, maybe they don't believe in ghosts. I do. So it does a little bit more for me. Uh, the scare on the beach with what the mm. young lady sees. Um, incredible, incredible film, how a mockumentary should be. Nothing can touch it mockumentary wise to this day. And I've seen some great mockumentaries. Like I've seen some really good ones. Yeah, but they always come short of Lake Mongo status, and Lake yep. Mongo is is definitely my number two. That yeah, I remember when you watched this, like how unsettled you were. Yeah, and like how much it really affected you. And I watched it, and I it definitely didn't hit me like it hit you because I I do believe in ghosts, but like I think you have more of a belief I definitely in it than have than more I of a belief than you do. I'm more superstitious than yeah. you are. Yeah, absolutely. But like that's not taken away from this film it like you're watching it and you're going this feels like it's real like everything yeah. about it felt real like it's incredible and very creepy but yeah that is amazing to see that in your number two thank you all right so i've pretty much shown my hand like since we've started podcasting what my number one movie of all time would be <laughs> i'm not even gonna dance around it it's fucking joe dante's 1984's fucking gremlins of course it's gremlins i love fucking gremlins it's a movie I could watch a million fucking times. I never get bored of it. The puppet design is incredible. The uh, the story is just unique and fun. Sure, the rules don't make any fucking sense at the time, but at the ah, same, who cares? But yeah, it's who a gives a flying fuck? Rules. No one cares. Oh, you don't watch but... Gremlins because you're worried about fucking rules. You want to see the cool puppeteering. You want to see the fun little story. You want to have the Christmas feel to it. You it's 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 a great gateway into horror it is it's a great film it is and it still has those dark moments that should not be in a pg-13 movie like the uh kitchen massacre that the mother like slaughtering all the gremlins but she doesn't die well no but i mean like yeah but i mean it's very violent and uh and then you know uh kate story talking about her father being stuck in the chimney and that's when she didn't believe in santa i'm like oh that is so dark it's so um, random. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, I love this movie to death. Everyone knows it. Uh, the, the theme music, I fucking love it. I, yeah, I, I, I would be uh, insulting myself if I did not leave this at number one, even though I was like, you know, everyone's going to know what my number one is. But yeah, number one, Gremlins, fuck yes. And anyone who disagrees with me and thinks I am being silly for it, bite my ass because Gizmo is the cutest thing ever. I love him to death and I want a little bit Gizmo. Well, I'll tell you, one of my favorite things about Gremlins is it's one of the first things you and I went and did together. We did. We went to that movie theater that didn't pay its heating bill. And we <laughs> uh, listened to some kids drop their fucking Skittles all over the ground. And we yep. watched Gremlins. And you met someone who loved Gremlins just as much as you did. I and sure I did. And then that Scotty was my nerd for life. <laughs> and uh, we have a picture of Scotty and I with, uh, which Gremlin was it? I think it was, well, there's only one that was well known in the first film. The other ones didn't have a name, but uh, I think that might have been a puppet of Stripe. Yeah. Or, yeah, Stripe, um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, and it was an awesome night. We actually had some yum yum food beforehand, too, and yum yum drinks, uh, which I always remember the drinks and the food. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I I don't share the love that Scott does. And I know people think I really hate Gremlins because I play it up on this show, and I do not. I no. love Scott's obsession with it. 
Um, I've supported his obsession with it over the years. <laughs> as much as I come across as hating it, it's more of an act for this podcast than it is for anything else. Scotty yeah. loves this movie and he has every right to love this movie. And I'm glad that people buy him stuff that represents it because it means the world to him. It does. Surprised you don't have a Gremlins tattoo yet. No, like I said, that's going to be the first tattoo. If I ever get a tattoo, it's going to be it's Gizmo. It's going to be Friday Nightmares? Oh, maybe. Maybe, that, maybe that'll be my tramp stamp. You know what? I would do it as a tramp stamp. <laughs> be like, have you listened to my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, we, got to this, we got to this point. You better listen now. You better listen and fucking download all the episodes, you motherfucker. <laughs> and be a Patreon on the Legion while you're back there. Wait, um, I will. If I ever do get a tattoo, it is going to be the very first, because I want it, like, my dream is to have a gremlin sleeve uh, with Gizmo surrounded by all the iconic gremlins. But uh, the first thing I want to get is the centerpiece, which would be Gizmo with his little Rambo bandana and uh, bow and arrow, uh, paperclip bow and arrow from part two. <laughs> of course. And why would you not, right? It's exactly. To jam. Um, Scotty has no idea what my number one's going to be. I am. Yeah, I am lost at this point. I am so curious. There is a Spanish film that was recommended to me by Brandon Orlick. And everyone who'll know it will be like, one, two, knock on the wood. Three, four, knock on the door. And it is The Orphanage, 2007. Okay. I have not and seen this. this movie, man, uh, even talking about it, stirs me up inside. It is an emotional roller coaster. It is about a woman who was raised in an orphanage, was adopted out, and has come back to that orphanage to reopen it. And while she's there, something happens to her own child, and she is dealing with the grief of the missingness of her child while learning the history of the house. And there's a game that they play. It's like one, two, knock on the door, or whatever. One, two, knock on the door, three, four, knock on the wood, or something like that. It bursts back and forth. And it's a hide-and-seek game. And it has a very big part of this film. And the ending of this film, I have never cried at the end of a movie like I cried at the end of this movie. Really? I was overwhelmed with emotion. Wow. And the acting is incredible. I do believe this is a hidden gem. I don't think a lot of people have seen it. And I cannot say enough good things about it. The Orphanage, 2007. If you like ghost stories, if you enjoy emotional roller coasters and some good scares. Um, good scares for ghost stories, not like the turning came out in 2020. Um, this is a movie for you, and it is by far, and it has moved up to my favorite movie currently. I bow down to you. Because <laughs> my list is so different. Because <laughs> mine is the basic bitch of horror. No, but there's nothing yours. wrong with that, Scott. <laughs> I know. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, I, I, I honestly, love what I love. Right. And I wouldn't be the horror movie fan I was today if I hadn't if I hadn't met you. Yeah. Like to be honest with you, none of these movies I would have watched if it wasn't for Friday Nightmares, if it wasn't for you and I challenging each other to watch first time watches. So every year Scott and I do first time watches, not just for our 2021s or 2022s or 2020s. We do it for all movies. Yeah. Like, yeah, we do repeat some watches here or there. I'm I'm sure Scott and I have watched like a Friday on 13th or whatever, but you know, he watches Return of Night, Return of the Living Dead. You know, he has his Christine, he has his traditions that he sticks with. Mm-hmm. But we push ourselves to watch different films. And yeah. honestly, that is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Same. Um, because I would not have the variety on here. 
that I have if it wasn't for getting out of my comfort zone and continuing to get out of my comfort zone. Recently, I saw The Kill List by Ben Wheatley. Fucking amazing film. Um, There was another film that I wanted to shout out that I recently just saw uh, that was an older film as well. So let me just pull up my letterbox. Anything you want to shout out that you've seen recently that's a hidden gem for you, Scotty, or no? Um, Let me go to my list because I haven't watched anything new or anything for first time yet this year oh the canal an irish film an irish oh yeah that was a good film. one fucking awesome film um there was another one the lodgers another excellent irish film based on folklore uh really really enjoyed that one as well too so yet again oh the last matinee finally saw that one it's on shutter fucking check it out for everyone that missed it great movie from last year that was dropped like this is the thing when you force yourself to watch new movies you're seeing movies i i saw jug face 2013 excellent excellent four core movie um can't praise it enough and and that's where these lists come from is from you know forcing yourselves to watch new movies yes and yeah i have not watched anything new since uh Right before Christmas, I watched uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night for the Initiation. I tormented myself on that, so oh, no, I don't recommend that horrible one. Horrible film. Yeah, but I'm looking through, and yeah, the last one, like, it's been a long time since I've seen it now, but the uh, Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price. Good film. Like, I've been going through Vincent Price's catalog slowly but surely, and I think I only have, like, three of his films left I have not seen. Well, you're getting there, right? And yeah, there's the a lot of them. <laughs> And I think that, you know, I'm glad for everyone who sat here and listened to our two very long episodes at this point. Um, I, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope we've, you know, brought up some nostalgia for you in films that you know and love. And I hope we've given you something new to watch. I hope that we've challenged you to maybe get outside your comfort zone because there's a lot of really great movies out there. And it's great to watch, you know, familiar and comfort films. Absolutely. Like nothing is wrong with that at all. But there's so much that you can watch and experience and and engage in. And it makes conversations with other horror fans more interesting. You're not just talking about the same old, same old over and over again. You're actually exploring and learning more about film and and just enjoying these stories. Um, These stories brought to life. And that's kind of the joy of watching movies, I guess. That's the joy of being a horror fan. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's true, right? Um, So thank you, everybody, for coming on this journey with us. As always, uh, we encourage you to join the Legion Patreon because what are you waiting for what are you waiting for (laughs) what are you waiting for um scott and i will be back in february with our regular scheduled program uh we will be going back to our theme episodes we'll be talking about some 2022s scott's been watching them like a boss i've only watched i think nine i think if uh, theaters are open here in ontario they haven't closed for the past month so i will be going to see hopefully scream five before we record next um and scott and i scott's already raved about it so i'm sure Mm. i'm going to thoroughly enjoy it as well um but and maybe the texas chainsaw massacre one will be out on netflix as well and we can talk about that yeah because i think that is coming out in february i just can't remember when so we are we have some 2022s to share we have some guests that we're going to want to be bringing on um as we go into our third year of podcasting crazy And we, and thanks to a lot of the listeners for, uh, you know, giving us some theme ideas too, because that's going to help us throughout this year. Absolutely. And uh, we're just going to keep the good times rolling. And yeah, I guess in the meantime, Scotty, do you have anything else to add? I can't think of anything else to add. We've been doing this for a couple hours, so I don't want to. No, I I can't think of anything else. Uh, Just uh, thank you to everyone that has been supporting us throughout all of this. 
Uh, thank you to every guest that has joined us on the show. Yes. Um, we hope to have some come back as returning guests at some point as well. And, uh, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed these uh, long list, like lists and don't mind that we deviated from our typical themes. But like Heather said, we will be back. We're going to be doing that again. Just it's, it's good to take a break and do something different for a little bit. And uh, yeah, this top 51 was very tough. And I have a feeling my top fifth top, well, 16 to 50 would be completely different if we did this again, like a year from now, just because, yep, it's easily just so many good films and ones I forgot on that, that weren't on my list, but yeah. Or ones that you have yet to watch. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or, or ones, ones that have yet to be made. That's true. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so thank you guys for uh, joining us for two years of this crazy ride and dealing with our dumbasses having so much fun. We're glad you enjoy it. Absolutely. So what do we want to say to the good people? Until next time, kitties. Unpleasant dreams. See ya. Thank <laughs> you.